Welcome back to the Sleepover Podcast. This is Fandames with Parks and Nebula, and we have an awesome guest on today that Parks actually got to meet in person recently. We have John Gramillion. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. How are you? Is, is it Grim? Did I say that right? <laughs> Don't worry about it. You pronounce it the way that everybody always pronounces it, which is wrong. So it's Gremion because it's- Oh. Like, my family is French Cajun, right? So it's it's one of those, it's one of those uh, pesky French names where the L's are silent. So Gremion. <laughs> and uh yeah but my whole life don't worry about it every doctor every substitute teacher john gramellian like no so don't worry about it but you're you're right you're in good company <laughs> this Grimion is the first is, time we've done that gramellian is really so much cooler i think gramellian's cooler people have joked with me are you gonna be a gramellionaire <sighs> i'm like yeah dude okay uh, you get us. the same recycled canned jokes over and over again yes, until it drives yes. you crazy oh but it's you know i've been it's that way all my life. But yes, Gremion. Awesome. Yeah. We'll do it better. We'll, we'll be on top of it. We'll, no problem. That. No problem. You can, you can slip. People slip. I had some faculty at drama school. I studied and I was at Juilliard for two years studying theater in New York in the mid 80s. And one of the faculty members was calling me Gremillion two years later. I was like, all right, you know, I give up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just you've Nothing known me. you say will stick. Nothing I say is good. No, I can just do it. I, 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 I give. That's um, my, so Nebula is just what everyone calls me. My actual name is Sid and it's S-Y-D. And I oh, think cool. it took my aunt and uncle until I was 13 or 14 to realize it was not spelt S-I-D. <laughs> okay, so I feel okay. your pain. <laughs> Sid, like Sid Barrett of Pink Floyd, right? The singer. Yeah, S-Y-D. Yeah, I think is it. So, so where does Nebula come from? Um, it's convoluted. The long and short of it is like we talked about before we started recording right. that I'm an artist. Right. And, um, when I was younger, I, my diehard dream was I wanted to be a tattoo artist and oh, cool. I really wanted to open a studio that was both like kind of separated half and half where you could get your tattoo, do the whole thing like a normal parlor, but the other half would be a local gallery where artists mm. could um, have their work shown and sold. And then like the studio would get a commission oh, and nice. I wanted a name for it that would be inclusive of both, but not like isolating either way. And so I came up with Nebula Inc being I N K instead of I N C. And my, whenever my oldest niece was born, my sister-in-law was like, what do you want your aunt name to be? And I, have always just had Nebula Ink is my my name online. It's like, well, my favorite Pac-Man ghost is Inky, and yeah. I like and I ink I work with ink all the time in art, so they can just call me Inky. Okay. So oh. I fluctuate between the two, but right, now right on. Parks just calls me Nebula religiously. <laughs> I'm not the one that started calling you that religiously. You were introduced to me as Nebula, and you just stayed as Nebula. That's true. Because the person who dubbed you Nebula was right. Calling you Inky like online as a nickname is stupid. <laughs> I don't like saying it. It doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't do good for our branding. So Parks, you're just right, Nebula. Parks and Nebula sounds super cool. I mean, I have to say that that sounds like I don't know if that sounds like a cool spy show or a combination of like, uh, how would you make that into a, a series? Like, what would the two of you be in the fantasy world? Like if it was an anime? Parks and Nebula, masters of, you know, what What would they investigate? What would their jobs be? I feel like I would be like an alien, like a, like a 
space being. It'd be kind of like then, space dandy, to be honest. It'd just be straight yes. up like space dandy, but if we were chicks. Yeah. Which is honestly cowboy bebop kind of a little bit. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. Christ cool. cool. would be the space awkward. cowboy. I would be the alien. Right yeah. on. Okay. And we that, were talking, and before we went on uh, Parks, we were talking about how you're in the medical profession. Yes. You're in the medical field for a while. What did you, what medicine did you practice or what area were you into when you got into it? So tech, this is a long route. I've technically been like bred for the medical field since I was eight because my mom is a nurse and one right. of my uncles passed away from cancer. So okay. I was doing a enriched route through high school to do um, nursing and then move into oncology for medical school focus. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I didn't want to do a medical lab d degree. I wanted to strictly do patient care because that was where my focus wanted to be. Nice. So um, because I have health issues, I actually had to stop my career because it's been... Uh -oh. It's okay. It's a whole issue. But okay, okay. I was doing CNA work and working with my high school to do, um, they had a health professions academy, which allowed me to do concurrent work with the university back and forth. And I was the lead treasurer for all of that. So I was taking mm -hmm. care of um, our charity events and stuff like that. Uh, all of the concurrent courses we did, um, all the tours and labs and stuff we got to do up at the university I was taking care of. So I had a pretty sweet deal with them. But I was working as a CNA, but partially earning my LPN because I worked on a technical floor at a large hospital is the okay. easiest way to describe it. So okay. I was doing my CNA program simultaneously to my RN program because I was on a neuro rehab floor where it was more long term care, but still like working in brain injuries and pretty severe cases all of the wow. cnas were learning how to do feeding tubes catheters things like that that you wouldn't standard do as a cna so wow. they were partially doing a um hands-on lpn program through their stuff mm -hmm. so i was in the process of doing that before i had to stop but i stopped right before covid because i don't have a left lung so being in like patient care is very rough for me now so wow. i'm not I'm out of it, but my mom is still a nurse. She runs yep. a milk lab downtown where she does, um, she works with donors to get breast milk to babies in NICUs mm -hmm. and um, women who have like sensitive baby issues that can't make themselves or okay. stuff like that. So my mom okay. is still a nurse and still does nursing. Wow. Well, we were talking that my mother worked in the Texas Medical Center, which I live very nearby, but the Texas for about 25 years. Mm -hmm. And she was like everything from secretary originally in patient relations all the way up to heading the ethics committee before she retired with a master's degree. She got a master's degree, did some more stuff. So she had to eventually talk to doctors and families about, you know, which family had to take somebody off a respirator or how we're going to handle this or that. Really tough, the toughest conversations. So she knows she her skills of being able to negotiate and talk to people and what kind of language to use and how to diffuse situations is like top notch because she had to deal with the toughest, most emotional situations and approach them. So I, I always call her to get advice, whether I'm talking to my landlord or a client <laughs> or crunchy role to negotiate if I can record remotely. No, I'm joking. But if, if but so I went, you know, so that that's a good that's a real good thing to have around. That's that's fascinating. Yeah, it's it was a lot because I was dealing because it was long term care and I myself had been a patient. I I have a chronic disease that makes it so um, all of my tissue is damaged. I have a connective tissue disorder oh and God. it caused my it causes my lungs to just sometimes slip every now and then. So prior mm. to me working as a CNA, I had already been hospitalized for about 
three weeks because my lung collapsed. And so I already had firsthand wow. experience of being a patient and being under like nurse care that made me wow. feel like I was being cared for. And so when I okay. went into nursing, my focus, I wanted to be in neuro rehab because I wanted to deal with these people who are stuck mm -hmm. here for a long time. Because when I was stuck there for a long time, it was really depressing. It was really hard. I didn't get to talk to anybody but my nurses. So I didn't know what was going on outside. I didn't have any of that. And so when I went into nursing, I wanted to make sure I could be that person for someone else. And so I gotcha. tried to really lean into empathetic patient care, listening, making sure I know my patients because I was seeing them every day. I worked four days a week at Graves while going to school simultaneously. So I would leave, see them for dinner the next day and then again and again and again until they were gone. But sometimes they were there for two weeks minimum before wow. they would move to either going home or a different care facility. Wow. Well, I'm also a video editor and I have been about as long as I've been a voice actor. And a lot of the videos I do are for the medical center. And so mm -hmm. one of the biggest clients we had was Texas Children's Hospital, which is the biggest. The Texas Medical Center is like a city inside of a city. It's huge. And yeah. a third of it is Texas Children's Hospital, practically. Wow. They've grown exponentially over the last 30 years, right? And so one of the videos we, one of the videos we, or series of videos we made was to raise money for this huge facility called the Neurological Research Institute, where, which helps, brings together under one roof on several mm -hmm. different floors, experts from all over the world in different, different areas of study. So someone studying mouse models on the fifth floor, then they can walk down to the fourth floor and say, hey, a guy who's studying fruit flies, come up to check out what I got on the mouse model. And it speeds up research from like bench to bedside. And they specifically are helping to cure kids' brain diseases. That's incredible. So like that Rett is. syndrome, Fragile X syndrome, Batten's disease, all the really tough and epilepsy. They've cured epilepsy in mice already. I mean, they've, they've worked to getting rid of it in mice. Mm -hmm. Pretty insane. So yeah, that's, that's, I, I hear you. That's way cool. We're, we're all kind of connected in a, some way to the medical field. man. Yeah. My mom has been a, she was a doula before she started because she was on the path to getting her nursing degree, but then I was born. So she had to put it on hold, but she right. was still teaching childcare classes to expect uh, upcoming moms, expecting mothers. And then when I was like 10, 11, she started doing, um, like individual or sorry independent doula work so she was going and being an advocate for moms when they were delivering their babies she was doing classes um she wow. was doing placenta encapsulations for moms who wanted to try that route and wow. then she got her rn and then she immediately moved into being a charge nurse for labor delivery unit and she was that for about three years um Wow, at the hospital, but yeah, she she's my trooper. She's also the one who taught yep. me how to do costuming, and she come saw my panels and listens to my podcast. So oh, my mom's neat. my oh, biggest cool. hero. I love right. your mom. She's my hero too. <laughs> I feel oh, compelled yeah. to share my matronly um, medical relation. My godmother. Um, she's mostly a businesswoman now, retired, but whenever she lived in Oklahoma before they moved out to Colorado, is mostly like an administrative administrative person or a businesswoman. Um, whenever the Oklahoma City bombing happened mm. in the early 90s, she was one of the very first people uh, to hit ground zero oh that gosh. was not a first responder. And she is not in the medical field in terms of like practice. She's only on the administrative side. Uh, and she was after that, a really big proponent for um, local hospital administrations and charities and stuff like that. And then okay. whenever my god sister was born, she was in the NICU because she was born at 27 weeks, I want to say. She was barely 
over halfway through her pregnancy. And she was, uh, my god sister was so small when she was born mm. that she could fit in the palm of her dad's hand. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so that was just the the double connection to the at least the Oklahoma medical area. And yeah. she, my godmother, became so close with all the nurses and like mm. always partnered with the um, the charities that they could through her businesses and stuff. And I think she still knows, or at least like sends a Christmas card to the nurses that helped her out whenever my god sister was born specifically. Wow! So we all wow. have super moms. Yeah, we do. <laughs> super moms and my dad worked at nasa for 35 years and so yeah. I was, uh, well yeah I was, he saw the whole space program from its from its infancy all the apollo missions and all that kind of stuff he was in we went to see the movie apollo 13 and he was sitting there next to me going that's true that happened oh that's and he's like, oh that guy's an asshole i had an office with him he's a jerk he's like, that's that's great i love that that's so, yeah, incredible that's great um but okay so i <laughs> I listened to uh, when I found out that we were going to do this podcast. I who heard who you interviewed, and I listened to the Chris Sabat interview, which was great. Sabat Sabat, we never know how to pronounce it. Even See, we had that same conversation with him of like, are we saying it right? And he's I like, heard, no. <laughs> I heard that. He went, what? Okay, so fine. And then I had to drive to Dallas to record some more anime last week, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm I always listen to podcasts when I'm on the road, so I said, well, I'm going to be on Parks and Nebula, so let's just listen to some more stuff that they do, and I for some reason, ended up hitting the head of stuck episode. Oh, God. <laughs> and and I'm so I'm, sorry. Dri- I'm driving to Dallas. I'm driving to Dallas and I just can't turn it off because I'm sitting there eventually in my car just going, what in the Jesus? I'm, I'm listening. I learned more about weird, crazy pants anime plots and fandoms than I would ever want to know. And I thought, I've just, where, where am I? Where, I, I, I don't know if I like it here. What's going on? I can't. Crazy. I'm so sorry that that <laughs> was your main introduction. I was thinking you were going to say it's like one of the episodes where we speak into the void about how much we love Vegeta and think he's beautiful and did not realize that two years later we would have Chris on the show. Oh, <laughs> Weren't I, you I in Dramatical that. Murder? Like nothing we oh, talk my, oh, about could be weirder oh, than Dramatical Murder. Wait. All right. Now I got a Dramatical Murder story too, because I recorded Dramatical Murder. I played the role of Toei, the villain in, in Dramatical Murder, right? And my friend, who I was have been on stage with before, Gabe, he plays the lead. I forgot the lead character's name, but um, uh, Alba. Alba, yeah, okay. The so, blue one. <laughs> so Chris Ayers, rest in peace, wonderful guy. He directed me in, in a lot of shows, but he directed me in Dramatical Murder. Now we're in the studio, and I record my last episode, which is episode twelve of the series. My character gets his comeuppance. He's out. All is good and all is right in the world. And I leave the booth and I go, well, that was really interesting. That's that's it. And he goes, and Chris Ayers says, well, <laughs> good thing you weren't in the 13th episode. And I went, what? And he didn't say OVA, separate plot. He said 13th episode. So I have been thinking for the longest time that Dramatical Murder as a series ends with the OVA that goes into all the darkest places and ends in the darkest place you can imagine, right? You know which one I'm talking about. I thought it ended there. And I went, what have I taken part? What? Why didn't they tell? I would never have done. This is terrible. You know? Oh my That's why I was so surprised it was getting animated. I was like, because I was, I was like, on what? Tumblr when it was coming out as the game. God. And I was like, there's no there way are- in hell. 
there are YouTube reaction videos all over the place to just people watching this OVA that has nothing to do with the plot of the first 12 episodes. So I thought, why did Chris Ayers tell me it was the 13th episode? So, <laughs> so you thought, would think that for the rest of your life. That's why he well, did it. He so was protecting I, you. I talked to some people about it and they said, what? No, dude, that's that's an OVA. That's a whole separate thing because it used to be a game and you've got these different, <laughs> these different places you can go. I said, what is the matter with the world? So it was really, it was also really funny because uh, David Matranga, his I, character in the OVA has to do this horrible stuff, you know? And, and, uh, and so I said, I, I, uh, I went, I went up to Matranga because we were at the same gym and he was on a treadmill, like three down from me one morning. I went and saw him. I said, David, you got to stop acting that way, man. You got to stop doing it. Knock it off. What are you doing? <laughs> oh my gosh. He was like, shut up. <laughs> Cause we were talking about dramatic murder. He said, what a show. He said, yeah, what a show. So anyway, well, but the show yeah. is even like censored a little bit. Like it's it's worse still. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But yeah. So that that was interesting. That was fascinating. I'm sorry we taught you about Homestuck. Don't worry about uh, that. That plot just I was like I was like okay whatever. I was like I'm, I've got my little you know Waterburger shake. I'm like driving down to Dallas. <laughs> I'm listening to about Homestuck and I'm going what the hell is going on here. Yeah, fun. It's a hot mess. It's the only way to describe it. A peek into our existence. Because <laughs> <laughs> Homestuck was yeah. a dark time. Really right. dark time. And I was dealing right. with that on the other side with Hitalia, which was is actually arguably the worst anime fandom of all time on the internet. Okay. Like, that's okay. chronicalized as such because of just everything that went down. It was so oh, bad. Yeah. And it's starting to come back for some reason. We don't want it back. People should Because there's a new show or something, I thought. It's a new season, but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why the Renaissance of Italia is coming back. It shouldn't. Um, wow. I'm so sorry we talked you about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It was but, fun. It was interesting. It's always interesting to learn these different areas. But so when you talk about fandoms being toxic or fandoms being weird or fandom being this and that, are you mostly talking about the way they, the way people talk online about shows on Tumblr and on different message boards. Are you talking about the way people act at conventions? Are you? I mean, a little bit of both because fandom is not just contained by whichever platform you're on. It's a bit of both. Like most of cosplay is people in fandom. It's what they're doing on a day to day basis, having meetups, going to conventions, selling art. Um, there's so many aspects of fandom, but with certain toxic fandoms like Hitalia. Um, both of the transgressions that made it a toxic fandom were on both platforms and were widely like recorded or seen by everybody. Oh, and so there All are right. still toxic fandoms now. Um, as we're starting to get back into more events, there's people who are unaware of like convention etiquette, which can make for toxic fandom uh, discourse to appear because people don't know how to like interact with others in fandom yeah. so much outside of an online platform. Like if they're on TikTok. The way they act on TikTok is way different than how you would like talk to a stranger in person. And I've had that happen to me like when I was at SoccerCon, I had someone approach me and try to like role play with me while I was in like a character, which was normally fine. But if I don't know someone, it's really awkward. I can't I don't want to interact with like a minor in that way if I don't know them, stuff like that. Well, and that hasn't been a prominent part of convention interactions since like what, 2008? Yeah, that was something that was kind of phased out after like the Yowie paddle incidents. Like we're we've distanced ourselves from like 
over specific like role play I was just, or yeah I, I was just asked the other day about yaoi paddles if i knew anything about them or if i knew about glomping or any of this other stuff i was kind of going no i got into con i've got into conventions in a serious way in about 2017 because i i'm a stage kid you mm -hmm. know and i i did theater all the time and that helped with voices and help with acting of course you know and so what would happen to me is that I got into anime in the late 90s, kind of on the ground floor at ADV Films here in Houston, and then found out about Funimation and then started doing shows at Funimation, et cetera. But I never started going to a lot of conventions. I crashed a couple of them just because I said, hey, conventions sound interesting. I went to see my friends there. Hi, how you doing? And then we ended up, hey, come on to the table. We're going to sign autographs. We're going to do this kind of stuff. We were giving away autographs free. And this was in the early 2000s. And then when conventions started getting bigger and bigger and there was appearance fees and there was different stuff and there was people selling merch and prints and all this stuff, I found out about it. And I wanted to be a part of it, but I was always busy on the weekend because I was with a rep, a rep company who did musicals all the time. All my weekends were booked, so I could never go to cons. And then I, I really got interested in it uh, around 2017, went to a few cons, then the pandemic hit, and then we took, we took a break, and then I got back into it. And so last year I was at about, I did about 10 cons last year, and I'm doing almost twice that this year if things go according to plan. So it, I've really just tried to kick it up. It's been great to do during the pandemic because I can go to I can go to a con and wear a mask when and where I want to. Mm -hmm. I can decide how to control that situation. I don't ever have to be without a mask. So if I can just decide if I want to be safe about it. And I pretty, I'm, I'm pretty safe about it still because um, it's still around. And, yeah. Or not just that, but any con crud you can name is still out there. You know, oh, you're going to catch yeah. RSV and strep. And, and I'm a voice actor. We can't get sick. And if I'm yeah. traveling everywhere in airports and I don't want to get my parents sick, all this other stuff. So it's masks have really come in handy, actually. But the bottom line with that is that, no, I got into cons pretty late. So I didn't hear or know about glomping or yaoi paddles or what what have you. And just it's just, you know, I guess I guess nutty behavior at conventions for a period of time between different fandoms or different. God, I, yeah. I wish I was you, John. I wish I didn't know about <laughs> well, all Well, we're starting to get back into it because um, mm. what's become really popular in the last year and is still kind of there are the, like, pay to step on people signs, which are oh, completely illegal. This. They are illegal because it can be considered really? sexual solicitation. That's why free hug signs were banned from conventions way back when. Stop. It's okay, also... Wait. Hold up. Hold up. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can't have a sign that says free hugs at a no, con? It can be well, so technically con rules can allow it, but certain states consider that like technical harassment in some way. And so it's oh, always a gray huh. line for what can be brought. But wow. specifically with the like pay to step on or pay to slap signs, because it's fetish, it can like people have been actually like had charges pressed against them for it. And it's also the vendors and the artists that have booths that paid to be there to to sell their artwork and to interact with a clientele. And then an, an attendee that only paid the entrance fee is now coming in and without any basis or any paperwork for why they're there conducting a form of business. Mm -hmm. So it can also land the convention in hot water on okay. legal grounds. Okay. Yeah, there's always wow. something where it's like someone has to be the one to kill the fun and be like, guys, we got to cut this out. And it's that is a trip. It's kind of weird. You see it come up all the time where it's like, okay, here's another thing we have to tell you guys to stop doing because obviously it's going to get someone in trouble somewhere. We don't want that. Please well, don't take no, cons I, away from us. 
I mean, I can understand some of that at least because on some level you you are talking about either family oriented mm-hmm. convention situations or you're talking about mostly very young people or people of a certain age. So, or you know, not adults. You know, you got a lot of teenagers and you know, high school students and young college students and stuff like that. So it's you know, I get it in a way, um, but I guess it just depends on the convention. I mean, I heard about Step on Me signs at Matsuri at Anime Matsuri. And- yeah. Here in Houston, and and uh, that's the only place I've ever heard of. They've become um, very popular recently, which is kind of a surprise because there used to be kind of a market for that, like adult conventions way before. Because there was someone who, and stuff, yeah. yeah, they did someone who was dressed as like Broly from Dragon Ball at one of the Dragon Ball cons, and she's the one that technically like started all of that. But she wasn't taking money mm. for it; she would just step on you for a picture because it's Broly. And then people were like, we can make money off of this. And that's where it became a problem. And so, and they didn't, they don't know that it's like the origin. It was just someone doing it for fun at a place where, you know, there's not kids. And so now we have it being brought to like basic family cons where it shouldn't be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not one to like ever police how someone's dressed or anything. So that part doesn't matter, but it's the actual exhibition of like... I King. was at a That's convention. That's why yeah, paddles were banned. Yeah, I was at a convention a while back, and uh, and it was kind of surprising because it was a family oriented con. It advertised itself as bring the family, kids are free, blah blah blah. And in the main hall where we all were, there were there were like there were booths that were dealing specifically with not safe for work posters and you know stuff like that. And so they weren't incredibly explicit, but they're not for kids, mm-hmm. right? Look at. So it was like, Daddy, what's that? Hey, don't look at that. Or <laughs> A convention where they were so crowded and couldn't find rooms to put certain panels in that a couple of plus eight, 18 plus panels were being conducted like in the hallway where people could just walk by. Oh, God. <laughs> and hear what was and hear what was going on. Yeah. So, uh, I've raised my eyebrows a couple of times at, you know, some stuff. Well, you met me in my Evenkov cosplay from One Piece, where I was kind of right. kind of explicit a little bit, but I was still <laughs> making sure that I was covered where it mattered. But yeah, there were people who were still complaining about me, even. So it's like, we gotta, I don't know. It's hard to make sure that people are following the rules explicitly, but not over, like, policing them. Right. And a lot of that is, like, I've been to booths like SakuraCon, where it's a 24-hour convention where you can buy hentai on the floor, but you're strictly ID'd at every step. They will not let you touch those boxes yeah. without being ID'd. And that's the yeah. way to do it. If you're openly, yeah. like, putting out these weird mouse pads that have, like, 14-year-old characters on them, which I've seen at a lot of, like, bootleg booths, that's really gross. I hate it. I don't mm-hmm. think it should yeah, be, yeah, 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 yeah. like... In the episode you listened to, I talked about being overexposed to this type of sexual content through things like Tumblr, and it's really damaging. I would never, ever want to inflict, like, inflict that onto someone right. else. And I don't think it's making right. like a soft generation to say that. It's like, there are certain things that shouldn't be at family-friendly positions. I'm never going to yeah. talk some about someone about cosplay or whatever like that. Wear what you want. I don't care. Most cons will have a dress code if it applies. If you're within the dress code, that's great. But when it's coming to explicit material like art or media, like children shouldn't be uh, playing dramatical murder, but look at me. Uh, <laughs> I sure did that. And yeah. it's it's just hard to like know how to do that. But that's what a lot of like the fandom culture can be in person when it comes to like toxicity. And of course, there's always like it. small clicks when you're playing model for a day. Um, clicks form everywhere. That sucks. It's in every fandom, unfortunately. Oh, sure. 
that's, but in every, that's in every facet of life, yeah. That's kind of what we focus on, though, is like, you don't need to do this. This can yeah. be existing without having to participate in that type of toxic fandom, even if where you're at isn't a great fandom to begin with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I'm, wow. I'm a victim of fandom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I had a very opposite experience, which I think I talked about a little bit in that episode, but I didn't really go to cons until more recently. Like you, John, I just yeah. was around the the people that did. So I was aware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that toxicity is in the way that people just want to like critique other people's um, participation in fandom and critique their their fan fiction or their fan art or say well this character would never wear that or this character wouldn't act that way so you're you're damaging the the fandom because you're damaging the character when it's just that individual's interpretation that's pretty crazy yeah i was in vancouver and i i went to vancouver with my folks on vacation one time and never been to canada and Anime Revolution was going on that weekend, and I didn't know, so I went up and asked for a guest pass. I said, "Can I? I'm an I'm a voice actor. Can I get a pass?" And they said, "Sure." And they gave me a pass to the con. I walked around. I went to some panels, and I did a little roving reporter thing with my phone and and uh, interviewed people. And what's your cosplay? And, and who's your character? And it was really fun. Was, we had a good time, and interviewed some voice actors who were there, and interviewed about uh, this the participants of this panel who were about diversity and cosplay specifically everybody can cosplay you don't have to be a certain color to cosplay a certain gender to cosplay a certain character you know it was all about that it was all about just if anybody gives you a hard time about it just blow it off say i'm sorry i hope you feel better soon it's i can do whatever i want it's it's you know why would you know it's interesting why anybody would bother with that you know because most critique about stuff that is really of no consequence to you comes from just a need to i just need to tell you what for for my own sake, not, you know, that's either about insecurity or it's about some kind of, I don't know what it's about really, but I think it stems from that. Right. And the beauty of having an online fandom and an online community is the ability to hit the block button, whatever you want, and that you can curate exactly who you want to see and who you want to interact with. And if someone wants to put that in harmful message or unwanted critique out from wherever that ranges on the spectrum you can just say all right see ya one of the reasons i'm off twitter i mean i like uh, i like faith i'm still on facebook um well i got off twitter mostly because i heard that they were saying hey let's specifically let people back on who want to talk about covid disinformation i was like nope right. i'm out of here so that was the straw for me but but what uh facebook for instance says here welcome to facebook Choose your friends. Start from here and choose who your friends are. Twitter is the exact opposite. Hi, dude. Here you go, buddy. Here you're in the ocean. Here's your whack-a-mole. Get rid of whoever you don't like because they're all going to come at you at once. It's oh, the exact yeah. opposite of that. Especially so, and, when and, the and, feed doesn't show you your friends. It shows you strangers right. and you're liking someone's tweet. You don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly. know these people. Why am I seeing yeah, them I, talk to me? <laughs> it's by design. You know, I think it's by design that way. But that's Twitter's become kind of a mess, frankly. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, I don't want to. To each his own. But, you know, if you want to be on it, be on it. It's fine. I'm not going to fuss at you. But I got off of it for those reasons. I just said, you know what? This is just getting a little weird. It's see, And what's what's crazy about what's crazy, too, about people who fuss at each other on the Internet, whether it's Facebook arguments or Twitter, especially, is that even if the majority of people having an argument think to themselves, okay, well, maybe they have a point. 
All right, I mean, they're not going to say so. They're yeah. going to keep that to themselves because you're having an argument in front of the world. Everybody's watching you have an argument. So it becomes much more important for people to say, I can't lose this argument. Your right. mom's face, me, 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 and that's it. And that, you know, that becomes, you know, that becomes the, the goal instead of what are we talking about? How do I really feel about it? Or let's have a discussion. There's been almost no discussions I've ever had. I did a TikTok about it because <clears throat> there was um, a fan came up to me at My Hero Con in Irving uh, a few months in January. And she had made, this woman is amazing. She had made plush dolls of, hold on, I'll go get it. Hang on. Yes. Yes. I would love to see. <gasps> yes, I did see oh, this TikTok. Gosh. Okay, so this it. is Gentle Criminal, the, the plush doll that that a friend of mine, uh, this new friend of mine who's a fan, she made plush dolls homemade of all these different My Hero characters and passed them out. And she keeps going to conventions and passing them out to the to the actors, right? That's and incredible. I said, How cool is that, right? So I said, all right, so I'm I'm having a on Sunday, I'm sitting around not doing anything and 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 it's 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 a little lull and the thing things are about to close down and I say, you know what? I go up to my, uh, David Matranga who plays Todoroki, of course, who has the hot and cold sides of his body and I said, okay, I'll tell you what, just do this, do this. And the TikTok is gentle sip some tea, it's too cold, and then he goes up to Todoroki and has him put his hands on it like a Goldilocks thing, make it hot, make it cold, whatever. So it's oh, thank you very much. So people went nuts when we put it on TikTok because he's got, I didn't know he had like 98,000 followers on TikTok <laughs> and I had like 40 or 105. So people just started like digging it. So I said, okay, fine. So every time I'm at a convention and I know somebody who's in the show, I go up to them and we make a video. So we put it on TikTok and, and uh, I never call myself the character because I don't think you're supposed to do that. But <clears throat> But that's been fun. And one of the ones that I made was not with anybody else. I just did it at home. He's watching. He's he's on his laptop. And he sees on Twitter that somebody, somebody named like Jack Tard McGee or whatever says, I hate that T criminal. He sucks. He's so boring. And so I start to type this really very polite message. And then the next day I'm watching the news. He's he's watching the news and. Breaking news, Twitter crashed last night because somebody made a polite response to a comment and the servers <laughs> melted down. <laughs> I, so he's like, oh dear, what do I do now? I love that. Yeah. That's so, the most in-character yeah. thing he could do, honestly. Absolutely, I think so, yeah. That's what he's yeah, doing totally. in the most recent chapter is on Twitter. Right. <laughs> but there's a, I've gotten into Twitter arguments because I've talked about media I don't really like before, which was I, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. And it Sorry got to the for point having an opinion. They didn't want to hear me anymore, and they just started like trying to be mean to me as a person. I was like, all right, my bad. Yeah. I guess I was misinformed. I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. And then people kept yeah. going because they wouldn't read the thread. No one reads the thread if they can see someone getting dunked on. So they kept going, and I would just keep sending them the tweet where I'm like, my bad, sorry. And it's it's exhausting because it's like no one wants to see your point. They want to see the argument. So they'll... Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's not a real place. It's just, it's just uh, you know, people... It's real addictive, too, because people know that everybody on the internet can see whatever dunk you're doing, and it's about a dunkathon. It's like, it's it's all about, look how I dropped the mic better than somebody else. Yeah. Like and compared they, to Facebook or Instagram, your face is on those ones. It's harder right, for right. someone to want to like sure, sure. be out there and vocal about it. But on Twitter, no one cares. You can just make a new account like it's nothing and then keep going over and over mm -hmm. again. 
Yeah, I wish all like, the internet yeah. trolls would just go to like an improv class. <laughs> just, just <laughs> get their make ass a kicked. New joke. Just, um, just go to an improv class so they can be embarrassed and be like, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. It's not working for me. Uh, I tell people, uh, I talk to, I talk about this at panels, and I, I talk about it a lot when I get when I go on podcasts, etc. Because people have talked about Gentle. Gentle's my favorite character mm-hmm. that I've played. I like him a lot. I think he's very well written. I think the show is very well written. It's very three dimensional. All the characters have backstories that are fascinating and interesting and relatable and they're not just these cookie cutter characters they're not you know and he's so interesting because a lot of people when they saw which so how far along are the two of you on my hero the anime or the manga i'm completely caught up to the anime i am a I want to say maybe a dozen chapters behind on the manga. Okay. You can see my Bakugo boxed figure ah, <laughs> back behind me. Um, I'm a season behind. So I finished the, the fifth season with everybody with General Criminal oh, okay. in it. So okay. yeah, I, yeah, I'm there. I just I haven't in, seen the most recent. Yeah, so I was in season four. And then and and um, it was right after Overhaul. And it was, was an eerie, which was really like spooky and, and, and you know, like, intense and everything like that. And then all of a sudden you get these goofy characters that are on YouTube and what the hell's going on here. And so people, I get it when people say, Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this arc. This is kind of filler because it came right after some really intense stuff and right before some really intense stuff with Hawks and, and Endeavor and everything. And what I try to tell people is to give it some time and look deeper because there are messages all over that arc that are just cooking behind the scenes mm-hmm. about social media and identity and, and, people who have dreams that they gave up on. I mean, it's, it's pretty serious and it's very relatable stuff. I mean, gentle was somebody who just wanted to, you know, make a difference and, and, and be a hero. And, and he kept failing. How many people do you know in life, you know, myself included, anybody else and yourself who have tried things and didn't, they didn't go the way they wanted to. And you wish sometimes that you were somebody else and you're envious of somebody else's success or whatever. And, and you, you just kind of down on yourself and he was very down on himself. And then everybody abandoned him and he was so dejected and so down on who he was and had such, such, such little faith in himself that he decided if I'm going to make a mark on the world, I have to be someone else. Right. I can't make a mark on the world as me. I'm just a failure. That's how much of a failure he thinks he is. That's deep, Right. That's not filler material. That's pretty, that's not frivolous. That's pretty intense. And I'm going to be somebody else on YouTube, on social media. Ding, ding. I mean, how many people do that? How many people put forth a certain image of themselves? So we're so wired to do that. And a lot of people tell me sometimes too, I, I get this impression from a lot of people, whether I meet them at conventions or I know them personally, whether they're, no matter what age they are, if, if, they're, if they're adults I know on Facebook if, if who didn't grow up with social media, if they're people who are growing up with social media, I want to do this with my life. I want to do that with my life. I'm not a success unless I go viral. I'm nobody unless I get this many clicks, this many likes. And I call BS on that totally. Your internet popularity, great. If you get it, that's awesome. They can complement each other. But your internet popularity and your self-worth and your talent are two completely separate things. So mm-hmm. I try to tell people, do not, do not think I can't be as good as somebody else unless everybody on the internet thinks I am. That's absurd. So that's a big message, I think, I, that I take from his arc, that I take from that, the writing of that. I think there's lots of deeper messages written in there. John, what was the 
uh, quote that you said right before we started recording. Um, lesser people have done greater things. Oh, lesser people have done greater things. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that that fits in very well to that. Yeah. yeah. And or people, or people that are not seen, you know, that are not known have done greater things that you can't even imagine. They may not be on the internet, but they're out there. Exactly. And they, they may not be even attempting to try to put it out into the universe to be seen by other people. They might just yeah. doing it for themselves and that right. alone should be celebrated. Right. Um, right. And I want to kick anyone's ass that's saying that general criminal is filler because I love him very much. And I love there was that filler in that arc. And it was not that part. Exactly. Sure. Well, the, you know, and, and is anybody, do you care if I give away a spoiler? No, go, go for it. Okay. So if anybody's watching or listening and they don't want to hear a spoiler, just, Skip ahead like 45 ear. seconds. Yeah, right. In in the manga coming up, they come back. Gentle and Labrava come back and he gets to redeem himself and kind of finally become a hero. And while he's becoming the hero, the moment he's becoming a hero, people are trying to film it. Students at UA are trying to film it. He's like, go away, be safe. I don't need this on. I don't need this filmed. Be Go, go take care of yourselves. So he's learning as much as anybody ever could learn. I don't need to be seen. I know what I'm doing. I'm like actually going to cry. <laughs> I, I knew I he was coming so back the second we saw LaBrella for great? a minute. I'm like, he's coming. I sense it. Here he is. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Unsigned I heroes. would also, I know he's your favorite, but I also wanted, it would be remiss to not mention that my introduction to your voice that I now have to okay. look up his freaking name. Oh, I thought you were about to say Mihawk straight up. On the no, it wasn't Mihawk. Oh, it's Roa from Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, yeah. Um, because Full Metal Alchemist is my favorite story, right. period. Right. I think it's one of the greatest stories ever written. And um, whenever Parks mentioned that she got to meet you in person, and she's like, yeah, he's Mihawk, and he's gentle. And I'm like, that's incredible. And then I looked at your behind the voices, like, ah, he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you, know so really I, funny, you know what's really funny? I was at a panel one time, and I was. this shows you how much I know that fans are into. I was talking about, oh, hi, I'm John Grimmion, and you may know if you're General Criminal, a couple people that, yeah, okay, cool, I'm, I'm in Food Wars, I'm the chef, it's like, oh, yeah, cool, cool, and I'm uh, I'm a General Criminal, and, my, and, and, and I'm Mihawk in One Piece, oh, yeah, awesome, and what else have you done? Oh, let's see, I've done this, 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 and then I finally got to, oh, and I had a few lines in Panty and Stocking, ah, everybody went berserk, so I had three lines in Panty and Stocking as they a character. They were good named, lines. Named Coctimus Prime, who was the <laughs> Transformers uh, knockoff episode, right? So I put it in my demo reel the next week. I went home and I re-edited my demo reel to put him in it so that people go, cool, he was in Panty and Stocking. Because apparently that's that's a thing. You never know what people are into. and what We they, uh, still love Panty and Stocking. We're cosplaying hey, hey. it soon, so. it's gonna, Well, yeah, that's awesome. And it's going to get a season two, isn't it? Yes, it is, actually. I completely forgot because that was announced while I was away on vacation. Get a season two. I feel like yeah, I was on. met in black mind wiped. I forgot that was happening. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm excited again. Yeah. That's I got to introduce. Done first. Yes. I got to introduce my partner to Panty and Stocking because I watched it when I was much younger and whenever it was coming out. And um, he had never seen it before. I was like, well, you're just going to sit down and watch the show with me because it's a trip. And he was glued to the TV. He was yeah. so into it. And yeah. I did not expect it because he likes a little more grittier shows and um, very, very much like it has to be colorful or it has to be mm -hmm. kind of intense. And yeah. 
Fanny and Stocking is just a, a dumpster fire in the best way possible, and he was all about it. So I can't wait to see all the mm. other new fans. And they oh, yeah. better bring you back for season two. Coctimus Prime <laughs> returned. <laughs> you know. He Get can. another he three lines. He fell apart. His heart got eaten and he fell apart. He went, yeah, Boop. but. I mean, yeah, it's but... not a real universe. We can bring it back. Yeah, but you're do. here. You can still voice someone else. They rebuilt him. Yeah, sure. They rebuilt him from scratch here. That's fine. I wrote That'll it. I'm the, I'm the author. I'm the one that wrote that into play. I'll do it. I'll but... do it. I can't wait. Yeah, that's going to be fun. But so, so your IMDb goes back to like. I think your earliest is like in the seventies. When did you actually start voice well, acting? Yeah, that that just means the show was done in the seventies yeah. and we brought it back to record it. So I started doing anime for the first time in the late nineties, like nineteen ninety eight. Okay. I auditioned for ADV Films because ADV Films was, which is now Sentai, of course. Mm-hmm. They were lucky in the mid to late nineties if they were doing two two shows, working on two titles a month. And anime was so such a baby that there were maybe two cons a month and they were in a warehouse or a high school gymnasium or the lobby of a movie theater or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's where that's the state of the industry back then. And so they started getting more and more licensing for more and more shows. And they only had a very small pool of reliable voice talent that they could call on and say, get over here and record this. Mm-hmm. So they needed more actors. So they started to put out one ads in the local paper, literally. It, I mean, there's nothing like that would happen anymore today, but some friend, a lot of the Houston theater actors um, f- heard about it and said, oh, this is a, this is a, a voice gig. Cool. It's a voiceover job. Great side gig. I'll come do it. Oh, we get to do cartoons. Oh, fun. You know, because like, we, we all grew up watching Speed Racer and whatnot. And we said, OK, this will be fun. So I said, perfect. That's right up my alley. I like doing accents. I like doing crazy voices. Uh, bring it on. So we all went to audition. We all sat in a every every couple of months. I think they did this until they had a big enough actor pool that they were happy with. And I think over time they kept bringing in different people here and there, and there and a couple of people made like cameo appearances mm-hmm. or whatever, but or didn't do something after that. But I was part of their just actor pool in the, from the late nineties on. And the more shows you did, the more directors you met, the more roles you got. And <clears throat> everything was out on VHS. And it was either sub or dub. Take your pick. You don't get both on a VHS tape. Four episodes per tape that you have to rewind and fast forward to watch. So lame. And then DVDs came out and that changed the whole game. And now it's all streaming for under 10 bucks. You can see whatever you want. So it's crazy. But what also happened over that period of time is that when we used to go in and record, you never you weren't doing simul dubs. There were no such things as simul dubs. The whole show was out there already on tape in Japan in Japanese to make the dub. We knew the whole show. So if you got cast in a role, the director knew every episode you were in, how many lines you had for the whole show, brought you in for a chunk of time to do just that. And you jumped all around until you, your stuff was done. But for efficiency of time, and you probably I'm, I'm sure none of this is news to you, but um, the you'd get a call. Hey, it's not an audition. You just say hey, uh, the director wants to cast you as this role. Okay, you show up, you don't know the show, you don't know the context, you don't know the character, you see it for the first time, you come up with a voice and you go. It's like an improv exercise almost, matching lip flaps, reading the reading the translation, et cetera. Et cetera. And that's what ends up on the DVD. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to really bring your game as an actor, you had to know something about the show beforehand to really give you some, or you need to have really good improv skills and really be able to just jump in 
you know, with both feet, having done, having just read the line for the first time. And that's right. why I always tell people it's so important when they say, what do I need to do to become a voice actor? You need to be an actor. Mm-hmm. You need to have acting experience or a lot of practice with improv, a lot of practice with uh, school plays, with whatever you do to get the creative juices going. That's my answer always. That's a lot of that's the answer that a lot of voice actors give because we're always asked that all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, because you are actors first. Sure. That's yeah. The voice just is just the, ice, the voice is the icing on the cake. Yeah, I yeah. have been researching a lot because I want to try my hand at doing just some fun voice acting eventually. Yeah. Um, and I've been looking into and hearing from all the greats and um, people who have been a part of like Looney Tunes and oh, wow. things that you just. You you always hear them as like ubiquitous to childhood, and then you peek behind the curtain of what the career actually is and how much goes into it. And it's so much that people do not realize, and they don't have the respect for. And I yeah. I'm so glad to get to chat with you and other voice actors, be able to talk Pleasure. about that um, yeah, more. I know that Kevin Conroy, who's got our soul, love that man. Um, Whenever he went in to audition for Batman, which was his first voice acting role, because he was also Juilliard trained, also a stage actor. And whenever the um, show director was giving him notes, like, this is what the character's like, and he lost his parents, and now he's, uh, you know, vengeance, whatever. And Conroy's response was, oh, so he's Hamlet. Which is such a profound, but also like blatant way to boil it down. Yeah, I guess. and I think that that kind <laughs> of just encapsulates yeah. everything with voice acting. That like, yeah, right. you have to know how to pull everything and where do you right. get that information, uh, that inspiration right. from? And right. I just thought that was so fascinating. That is fascinating. That's really interesting. He's Hamlet. Oh gosh, he, okay. Batman is Hamlet. <laughs> It's going to make you think now. You're going to sit back. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay, all right. All right, I see it. All right, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, big time, big time. Big time. That's crazy. Yeah, I personally love voice acting. I mostly listen to sub just because it helps me process a little bit better. And also most of the animes I watch are caught up. There are certain ones that I swear by. My Hero is definitely one of them because I... Everyone on board is some of my favorite voice actors and people I talk to on the regular now because, wow, this is my job. Um, So it's always cool to level and be on that type of like, on that level where I can talk industry with people who I meet at conventions, who I admire so much because I've been watching work since I was a kid. It's very neat. I I like, I feel like I'm rambling. Sorry. Um, It's just cool, especially because I come at it from an artistic costuming side where costuming is live performance for me. And so mm-hmm. I have to be these characters when kids approach me. I have to be able to on the fly act like that. And so it's cool when I actually get to meet the voice actors for who I'm dressed as and they acknowledge me and they see who I am. And they see what I'm doing for the character they voice because in the same way we're playing the same character, even if it's for yep. me for a few hours, it's very refreshing because it's like in some way we are bringing this character to life and i am very touched by it because most of my work is from anime and games which are heavily voiced and not just face-to-face actors um like most uh, some of the people i know who do like mcu focused stuff or dc like live action costuming they don't have to worry about that so much i guess when it comes to what they're portraying yeah 
Yeah. I can't. Uh, the trouble with subs for me is that anime is so, depending on the show, mm-hmm. is so active and so and so jam packed and so dense sometimes that to catch the subtitles and to watch it is is a little tricky for me. Like it, like same thing with action films, like mm-hmm. real live action films that are cut real fast and everything. And certain episodes are, are are tough to follow for me. But I've seen some subs that I think are cool, and I and I love the language. You know, I love the way it sounds. So it's always interesting. And, you know, if it weren't for subs, we wouldn't have dubs. I wouldn't have a job. So I can't hate on subs ever. So when people when people talk about what do you like more? I'm like, well, I like dubs more because I get to do them. But without subs, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be employed in that field. Right. I wouldn't have this career. We need we need both these things to counterbalance each other. Yep. Nev is a yep. sole dub watcher. So she's seen pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. You haven't gotten to the second Mihawk part, though. There's more. I haven't. There's I haven't more passive. I am more. Mihawk shows up. Mihawk just shows up every eighteen months and goes, like "Hi, shanks. I'm a badass." Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "That's it." I, that was we were asked. I was doing a YouTube uh, live YouTube stream uh, panel with some of the of the uh, One Piece cast for GalaxyCon live, and the question came in. It was hilarious. The question came in: What kind of what do you do to get into character when you're in the booth? <laughs> like, what tick do you use? And Colleen Clinkenbeard, who plays Luffy, said, well, I just, before every line, I go, la, 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 like the voice. So I, it just helps me get into this character, which is pretty funny. Then Lucy Christian goes, oh, I'm just, go, I just get really mad at Luffy. I just go, Luffy. And somebody else just goes, chopper for chopper. And she just yeah. tries to get her voice in that place. I said, John, what do you do? I say, hi, I haven't recorded this guy in 18 months. What does he sound like again? Can you play back <laughs> the last thing that I, I forgot who this is? Oh my goodness! At least you're getting work again. Well, no, look, I don't forget it anymore because he's on my demo reel, and I had to, I had to listen. I keep listening to him all the time now, and people ask me about his voice. And the funny story about the voice is that four kids did a dub, and I think the guy made him a Frenchman or something like that. And I said, he's not French. Come on, I don't want to do him. I do a French accent, but I don't want to do him as a French guy. And I didn't want to do like a Nico Montoya or something like that. And I said, who is? What does he sound like? And I had just seen a Harry Potter movie. And I thought about Snape because he was mm-hmm. Mihawk was so just cold and sly and everything. And I thought of Alan, I can't do an Alan Rickman, but I thought of that Alan Rickman kind of voice, you know, like that. And then I just took away the British and kept it sly in my nose like a snake. And that that's Mihawk. He talks like that. You know, he's very sly above it all and blah, blah, blah. He's very con- he's too confident in himself in a way. Right. So and the director said, OK, let's do it. You know, like, all right. That's his voice now. I can't believe you just said, I can't do an Alan Rickman, and then proceeded to do an Alan Rickman. <laughs> like a perfect <laughs> Alan Rickman. No, I wasn't a perfect Alan Rickman. Semi-honest. Pretty damn good to do it on the pretty, fly. Pretty damn good on the fly. But and well, then you got it right when we reveal his big goth castle he lives in by himself. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, you know what's really weird? Somebody pointed this out. My two biggest characters that I'm known for the most and recognized for the most over the 25 years that I've been recording anime voice, because, you know, typically I've got a lower voice, mm-hmm. lower register, bass baritone. So I don't play the lead teenager. I don't play the, you know, I either play some wacky characters, but mostly I'm the dad or the cop or the cop's dad or the dad who calls the cop on the other dad. Or I'm the, uh, the, the, the guy who owns the evil corporation that's going to take over the world. I've played 37 of those guys who have to shapeshift and be killed three times by the end of the series. And, you know, um, so I don't play these lead roles, but I play all this eclectic mix of other types of characters over the years. But the two that I'm known for both have mustaches. They both have young, 
red-haired sidekicks who have emotionally based powers. Perona, my beloved. I love her so much. She's my She's baby awesome. girl. She's awesome. And they're the same. Yeah, you're right. They're like the same yeah, character, like, just adapted. That's our thing. So, like, put Gremion in the role of the guy who has the sidekick with the powers who has pink hair. Whatever. I don't know. I just I thought that was it. crazy. Crazy coincidental. Yeah. yeah. You just, you found your niche. There you go. You need yeah. someone to be a man with a sidekick who has a little bit of an attitude. Here you go. There you go. And yeah. Mihawk's funny. He just shows up and then leaves. He's like Shanks. I know no, no, Shanks' no, no. VA comes out like rolling his cash every time he's got to come every three years to record something. That's right. That's right. And what's crazy, too, is that I, I was in the movie uh, Stampede, <laughs> but I had two lines. Yeah. I said, oh, I'm going to be in Stampede. Cool. I was on a beach. I was like, okay, I've done my job. Let's go. That's all I said. <laughs> I've done my part. Perona, let's go. That's it. That's what That's he does. Like, it took me five minutes. It took me less than five minutes to record my lines and I was gone. I was like, okay, fine. I'm in a movie. That's I'm like the bit from movie. 90s Sailor Moon where Tuxedo Mask is like, all right, I, my work here is done. And Sailor Moon says, but you didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> well, Goodbye. <laughs> finally, we're getting to a point in the manga, spoiler neb, Mihawk is back mm -hmm. in it. Where um, oh, he's yeah, actually going to matter. That. He's a huge play um, for what's going on. We don't even have an answer to it yet. He's just with some people that also matter. Um, it was actually one of the people we were talking to at Anime Town together before this conversation came up, if you recall. Um, I'm trying not to use names of characters so I don't spoil this for her too much. But yeah, it's okay. It's okay that I tell you? Yeah, it's okay. Okay, well, so have you seen anything about Cross Guild with Buggy, Mihawk, and Crocodile forming together? I think I've seen some things and didn't have the well, full that's context. What, well, that's what's happening in the manga, Jazz Hands. Yeah. Um, so we're getting we're getting a renaissance of Crocodile and Mihawk. So that's going to be very fun when that gets animated. And yeah. I'm so excited. I just want anything for because I, so I you know what Mihawk this means now, Parks. It means we have to cosplay a femme version of I was Mihawk and Crocodile. Oh, I was already yeah. doing that. I was trying to figure out because Gavin also wants to be one of the two, but he won't tell me which. But I'm going to cosplay Perona, so he has to cosplay Mihawk anyway, which means I have to make two Mihawks, one for me and one for him. So, so Parks, you were the tallest person at Anime Town, Utah, if I remember you correctly. Yes. I was like, that woman is very, very tall. Okay. That was That's, me. Okay. I remember you. Yeah. I, remember I, well, you I approached you as even got with my big afro and my... <laughs> and no. I was not wearing high... Like, I was wearing heels, but they were like two-inch yes. boots, so I wasn't even like right. up. As much as yeah. I normally am, yeah. but yeah, I'm a, I'm a very yeah. tall woman, so I think I have the frame to do Mihawk with my big sword that I have to scale to my height, so it's going to be ridiculously big. Yeah, I tell people it's great that voice acting's voice acting is fun for a lot of reasons, but the most the the best reason is that you don't have to feel good, you don't have to look good, you can be on no sleep, you as long as you sound right. I went to a session yesterday morning and I hadn't slept well and I didn't feel like doing it. But I mean, I, I just, you turn it on, you just get the voice. Your mm -hmm. voice can, you're pretty resilient. You can, your voice can for an hour is no problem. But you can't, you don't have to look like the characters. You don't have to, it's nothing like film acting or stage acting in the least. And it's really weird because some people say, well, you're only doing the voice. You're only layering in the voice. But the voice, I'm sorry, lends a lot. If you get a lame voice actor to do a role that you're really into and they just don't know what they're doing or they just bring... I've heard some dubs that I think are like, oh, man, really? And and uh, and I just thought, wow. Um, 
I'm, I'm not into this. I'm not into this moment. You get the right actor in there mm. who puts the right fire underneath it, lights it up. It really, it, you know, when you watch a YouTube video or you watch or listen to a podcast, if, if you're not on a good microphone, your ears get tired after a while. If the audio is not kicking, you know, it really does matter. And another fascinating thing that I love about voice acting anime is that some people said, well, look, you're not on a stage. You're not, you're not bouncing. You're all alone in a booth. You're not bouncing off another actor. You're not, there's not an audience there. You're not getting into a scene. You're totally getting into a scene. If you look at that screen, everything about that story is rocking. It's fully animated for the most part, unless you do one for, I'll tell you something in a minute, but unless you, um, it's, it's fully animated. There's, there's sound effects and music. The whole world is created for you. And it's like virtual reality. If you just kind of lock into that and get into the moment and, and look at your lines and all that, of course, it, it's a lot of it is filled in for you. And it's, it's, you're getting into a whole world. It's, mm. it, it works. Yeah, it, works what, very, it just works in a very different way than if you're on stage. That's what Anthony Bowling was telling us whenever he works with Ian Sinclair or gives vocal direction that mm. Ian will just stay in the Brooks voice and acknowledge everything that Anthony was saying back. Like, okay, maybe he's, he's in this moment, he's in this kind of emotion. And he's just like, Oh, oh yeah. And his little yeah, right, Brooks right. voice that I can't do. And <laughs> he's, he's too good. At it. I just, it can't be replicated. I feel like it, it can't, he's too good at it, but it's I just, just, but I just, I just heard you do the classic triple, Triple gasp. It's the triple gasp that I call it. Because when every anime, people either go, oh, for a reaction, or they go, oh. So it's, it's this, oh. And the other one, the other day I heard a quintuple. It was really impressive. Somebody in some anime from the they 70s that I was recording the other day. It's back, it's back from the 70s. This was a retro anime that I was doing. I can't tell you which one it is yet. But this one character just was going, oh. It, at, at the because <laughs> they were about to see a fight take place. It was da 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 I was like, wow, you have done the quintuple gasp. That's, that's, you get an award. I have to that's ask, impressive. I don't listen back to my own episodes of this podcast because if I hear my voice too long, it makes me feel like I have like the word, I don't know. I just, I hear it, the voices. Um, okay. Do you ever have issue or feel like embarrassed when you're having to record or play back anything that you do personally? Or do you feel like you've owned your voice for so long that it's like... Oh, I've, I've owned it for so long and, I, and, I, and I've, I've heard it for so long and I hear it every day. And when I'm working out issues by myself, I talk to myself out loud. I, I you know, I, I do all that as, as a creative person, I think. Is, and it helps me be a better actor mm -hmm. to, to talk things out loud, to, to kind of get to... But no, I, I haven't had a big issue with it. I used to because I used to have an accent. I used to have a little bit of a weird, funky Texas accent um, when I was a teenager, and I didn't realize it. You're preaching and to the then, choir. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't notice it. And I heard my voice back. I was like, that's me. Oh, gross. And I had to work on this. And then I was so in high school, if I got into a Shakespeare play, I thought you have to sound like this if you're to blah, blah, blah. And really lame, super lame. I look back on some of the stuff that I did in high school. Okay. Don't, I don't want to think about it, but you know, you grow. And then later on, when I went to Juilliard, it was really funny. We had this, we had a lot of very uh, intimidating faculty at Juilliard. Let's just leave it at that. The fa you were scared of the faculty when you were in the, in the mid eighties today. It's very awesome. It's very kumbaya. We went back for a reunion uh, of the drama department when they had their 50 year celebration. And uh, a lot of us met, the new faculty and the news and the faculty and the students love each other. And it's very cool. And so we were jealous. We said, I, <laughs> I could have used that when I was an insecure 19 or 20 year old in New York city being thrown to the wolves, you know, but I went into this vocal class 
And the teacher had this bow tie. He's a stuffy, thin, tall dude. He's all business. And he's just giving us a hard time. And so he had us say these certain phrases, like these fortune cookie phrases or these uh, quotes from Shakespeare or what have you. And I get up there and I did one in my voice where I think I have to sound like that. And he goes, well, you can hear the briefcase. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah. He said, you're just a, you just think you got to turn on this little businessman sounding thing. Use your real voice. Where's your authentic voice? They And they tear you down. They make mm-hmm. you get to, they put you in situations deliberately where you know you'll fall on your face because they have to unravel anything you've been locked into for so long. So it's, it's tough love, but it was, some of it was a little too tough, frankly. Um, but it works. I mean, it, it worked eventually. It, it got, it got, got us out of our shell a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like what I said, was, I didn't Latin. Go ahead. I was just to ask, what would, yeah. do you feel like that was um, affected at all being from Texas and then coming to Juilliard of all bit. places in New York that that kind was a, a little, like kind of, a little kind of bit. led into when, that. When I sat down with him and he critiqued me in a show, he said, you're from Texas. Yeah. We're men are men. Right. He goes, bullshit. This is, you know, let me help you. You don't have to sound a certain way. You just have to sound like yourself. It, it was that, that was the message, you know, mm-hmm. to have to sound like yourself. Or, or, I used to DJ at a college radio station and I listened to a cassette of it the other day and I sound so smarmy radio voice dude that, and, and I don't like it. You know, I like, uh, I, I just like, it's, it's, it's hard to, to sometimes for me to think, do I sound natural? Do I sound like I have a natural voice? Because when people hear me talk just regularly, like I'm talking right now, they say, you've got a radio voice. You've got this kind of, almost trained sounding sort of radio-ish voice. And so it's difficult for me. What's the toughest thing for me to do is whenever you audition for a commercial these days, this used to be different. In the 80s, there was a huge push to have people do celebrity voices. And I can mimic really well, and I can do celebrity voices pretty well, and I do impressions and this and that. And I grew up as a kid impressing people in class and being a class clown doing impressions, you know, or imitating the faculty at your school or what have you. So I'm a good mimic. And where was I going with that? When um, when I learned to kind of tamper that down, it was tough because what people want now on commercials is don't sound like an announcer. That's always on every single audition I get. No announcers. Don't sound like you're announcing something, but you've got to read a script that no one in their right mind would ever say these words the way they're written in a natural right. voice. Yeah, you wouldn't go up to your neighbor and say, "When it comes to da 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 blah blah," so you automatically turn on in your brain, or I do. It's really hard to shut that off. Yeah, and, and it's, it's almost real... like it's becoming a whole subculture of I feel like commercial voice acting, where it's mm-hmm. almost the uh, the joke of like the Siri voice from 10, 15 years ago, yeah. that now it's like, when you're thinking of whatever, and that's like, right. it's the right. weirdly well, seductive mom voice. It's like, why is this on my TV? <laughs> and here's the other thing too, that I don't get is that there's a voice that people do, or there's a style that people use whenever they're announcing, like whoever's doing all the, all the, you know, Tonight on HBO, blah, blah, blah. There's this breath at the end of it that nobody does ever. He doesn't go to the store and go, I've got to buy some food. He just, you know, they don't do that. But it's this kind of coolness that you've got to put on TV. I once did a commercial, the dumbest, the dumbest direction I ever got, the weirdest direction I ever got. I was doing a commercial for Sarah Brightman, who is 
a soprano. She was in uh, uh, Phantom of the Opera, and then she became a very famous soprano and toured the country and made albums and all this other stuff. So she put an album out, and there was a 1-800 commercial that I got cast in um, without an audition to record for getting her new album. Call 1-800, blah, blah, get her new album, right? So in the in the studio session here in town in Houston, on, on this can in the headphones, I've got the music of the commercial going so I can get into it. And in, over here is the director who's piping in from New York. And she's directing me in this thing. And she was pretty nice, but she she stops me at one point. I'm going, Sarah Brightman, whose incomparable soprano voice has captivated millions worldwide, announces blah, 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 her new album. And she goes, okay, John, that's great. You're going to have to forgive me because I speak in metaphors. Um, what I'm listening, this is the direction she tried to give me verbatim. She said, what I'm thinking when I'm listening to this music is, what kind of wine would I be drinking listening to this music? I'm thinking like a nice full-bodied Merlot. And I kind of went, I almost said, do you want a turning leaf Merlot or Behringer? I almost tried to mess with her. But I looked at the engineer and I was like, what the? F-? He's like, I don't know. So I go, um, let me, just, let me see if I know what you're asking me. Do you want me just to sound more um, smooth? Smooth. I'm like, okay, so like I've got a glass of wine and I'm in a bathtub and I'm looking at the sunset. Oh, that's great. Give me sunset. Give me sunset. All she wanted me to do was like have my eyelids half closed and sound like one of those stone guys. So if you listen to the commercial, it's Sarah Brideman, who's incomparable soprano voice, scattered the same thing. Every line is the same. Everything is the same, you know, kind of stoned thing. And it's weird because you audition for something. And when you audition, you often don't meet the director. When you audition for a play, you meet the director. You're in person. You're personable. You're talking to them. You're saying, hey, let's make this work. What do you want me to do? Help me dial it in. Right? Right. <clears throat> I'm a great mimic. And so the, the jobs I get often are we're trying to match a voice. Try to sound like this guy, but make it your own. But try to have this vibe and this feel. I can usually imitate it. If it's something I can imitate, I usually get the job or I get very close to getting the job. So what, what you have to do these days, even for anime auditions, is you're sending in an audition without the director there. The director isn't telling you, hey, can you give it a little more, uh, can you go Clint Eastwood meets this? Can you do this with that flavor? I would love that, but that doesn't happen very often. So you give your idea of what you think the character is, and then you hear the voice, and it sounds like that. And you're kind of like, going, I could have done that all day long. I could have played this role. What's wrong with me? I did not wish like that. If you would have told me. Or if I could have heard it. Yeah. So that's that's a weird that's a weird kind of sometimes annoying part of the whole audition process and and uh is that you wish you could meet the director and say, dial it, dial it in with me. You know? I'm a canvas. Right. Tell me what to yeah. Tell me what you want to hear. Yeah. Because at your core you're an actor and that's yeah. what you use. You need that that chemistry and that how do you bring to life the um the script in front of you and yeah. people don't and I also, don't, accurately. I also don't mind when I get a line reading. I tell directors, give me a line reading. If you tell me how you want it to sound, you do it and I'll mimic you. I like that. I don't mind that at all. Some, some actors don't like that because if directors do nothing but that, then you don't feel like you can be creative. Right. So, if, but if, but I don't mind because, because one of the best things I ever, uh, I, I edited this video a long time ago about a choral conductor and he was trying to get certain sound out of a choir and he went, no, I want this. He said, be a professional. Say, if that's the sound you want, here it is. Oh, you want this? I got that too. No one can afford you. You'll get hired because you can do exactly what they want. That's part of your job. 
Right. Yeah. You're the director for a reason. So tell me what you want to hear. And it's my job to deliver it. Yeah. Don't just say, I want to be in a bathtub drinking wine. Like, okay, then go I mean, that do was, that, I guess. That's a great story. It gave me a great story. And she's a very unique director. And she said, forgive me right off the bat. I speak in metaphors. I'm like, All right. Give me a metaphor. That's a metaphor, but... Well, that is quite a metaphor. Guidance-wise, I don't know. My yeah. thing, I think we should bring back jingles instead of narration for um, any commercial. We should just bring back a good jingle. Yes, we should. I've heard, there's a mod pizza one where it's like about the wings, and it's the worst commercial I've ever heard in my life. I was working on a costume, and I don't have a tv in my office so i was watching like youtube on my phone just watching some people play games while i was sewing stuff and i swear to god every five minutes this stupid mod pizza ad with this girl's voice and she's like she's talking like this kind of like an old navy commercial you're like i hate you please <laughs> and i just i i hate that cadence i hate the old navy cadence like I don't know what it is about new commercials now. I don't know if it's because Old Navy has been doing the same thing for the last like 20 years of just the same a woman's up like I don't know. I hate her. I hate the upbeat yeah. like kind of yelling at you like excited kind of commercial. It's a PTA uh, mom. Yeah. There's another, there's another voice that young got young kids do too. Like I heard a Taco Bell commercial or something like that where this guy was talking about tacos and he goes, I really want a taco. It's got crisp lettuce and really good ah! and he sounded like this. No one sounds like that. Or people who do news radio, news radio drives me crazy. Yeah. Because you, you, you have to have this kind of official news sounding reporting voice and and nobody talks like that in real life. Yeah. They don't. But they've got to kind of be a little bit more official. And some of them take it weird and overboard. It's very, it's very strange. I, I, it's, it's some people in NPR I can't listen to. They just drive me crazy. Oh, I agree. I'm I good. just wish people would be more goofy when it comes. Yeah. to Have a little bit of personality like in some sense. Right, right. I'm the same with John, audiobooks. Have you oh, ever man. been in Oklahoma during Christmas time? Because Parks mentioned yes, mentioned jingles. So now I, it's my sworn duty to mention this jingle. <laughs> Christmas time, no. Okay, there is a goofy-ass jingle that I want to say is, like, 70 years old now, maybe older, for a jeweler's that is so prominent that it is synonymous with all other Christmas carols here, to the point that in my school, we sang it, like, during Christmas time, whenever we would sing Jingle Bells and whatnot. We're like, all right, we're going to sing the B.C. Clark's theme, and that was our next Christmas carol. Rock on. And I just need things to be that level of goofy in camp again. Okay. Um, we have a Shanko here that has, we don't have a jingle for it, but it's been going on for so long that everyone in Utah knows this commercial because they're our friends on like 54th South and State Street. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, we just get, get a hook. Let the man speak to you. Because the same person who's been doing that commercial is the business owner who's been doing this forever. I don't even think it's local anymore. I think that broke my brain when I realized Shanko was not a local company because they have the dude actually record his own commercials. Right. And that's that's what makes them good. I don't want to shop at somewhere where I'm being like canned a really bad line from someone who doesn't really care about this product. Same, but it's for real. Same with audiobooks. I start it. No, for real. I start it, and then it's like I'm reading. I read a lot of horror novels, and when yeah. I have someone who's talking to me so flat, and they don't know how to talk about like the emotion of a psychologically damaging scene, and they're just talking to me like this, I turn that off. 
I, right. I I use a library app to read all my audiobooks, and I return them immediately if I hate the voice. I try to go sure. for the dramatization versions now, just so I can like have some sustenance to my book. Yeah, yeah. I used to listen to audiobooks on cassette. Ooh, same <laughs> with my mom. Actually, when I was in college, I would drive to and from Austin because I went to UT, and and I would want something to listen to, and you could only get audiobooks on cassette. So if you had a unabridged novel, you had a huge box <laughs> with all these cassettes in it. One of them would rip or something. You know, it's terrible. It's awful. So CDs save the world, and streaming is even better. CDs yeah. weren't that much better though, because you could carry it so far, and then you true, had to get true. the next one out because that's what that yeah. was my childhood is that road trips too. and mom's minivan and she's like let's listen to this audiobook and they have to swap out the cd and if you're yeah. missing your one of the cds is slightly damaged the whole story is ruined forever yeah yeah right right i'm right. all too familiar because my mom would do the same thing because audiobooks could keep her awake while she drives and no John, it's very interesting that you said people tell you that you have a radio voice because I think you have more of an audiobook voice. I think you have more uh, of that like nice timber to listen to consistently oh, well, and you. not like the the commercial aspect of it. Oh well, good. I appreciate that. I'm gonna file that away. I like that. I haven't done <laughs> audio. I haven't done any audiobooks. I and frankly, you know, I think audiobook recording is really tough. I I I, uh, I got my hat is off to anybody who regularly records audiobooks because that's a ton of work. You, your voice will get tired after a while. You got to take a break after a while. And, 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 you know, anime, anime, typically you're screaming more or you're doing voices that are not like you. And it depends on what you're doing. But the guy who records the Harry Potter books, the actor, Jim Dale has an iPod with all of the different voices on it. So he has to keep, who am I now? Who am I listening to? And when you record an audio book these days, I think, depending on the studio that you work for, don't don't quote me, but I think most of the time you have to record it all in your own studio. Then you've got to edit out all the crap. You've got to put it together, but you get paid for how long it takes to listen to it. So you get that... paid by the hour. And if it takes eight hours to listen to it, it doesn't matter how long it took to record it. That's it. That's, that... not... That's what I've heard on some, at least with some companies that hire you to record audiobooks. I have two friends who I'm very close with who do audiobook recording. One of them just said they're not doing it anymore. They're completely done with audiobooks. They like the work, but it's not worth the effort because okay. it's just so much. And it's it's for that exact reason. Yes. Oh, he used to do okay. all of his own processing for it. They right. hire him. They pay him for that recording, but it's like per recording. They, he doesn't get anything right. else from that. So he stopped doing that completely and he's focusing solely on game animation. Um, and he's done stuff for Marvel, so whatever. He's good. He doesn't need to do that. One of my friends is in a breakout position right now, and so she's strictly just doing some like audiobooks. That way, she can pay the bills while she meets directors. And so, nice, nice. It's it works for her, but she doesn't love doing it. That's not her goal. Her goal is mostly into animation. So she's like slowly trickling in, but it's really hard because yeah, you have to do all of that post processing yourself. You have to do every take. If you mess up, it's your fault. You have to do it. Um, yeah. I've heard some people who use like the dog clickers. That way, if they start a line, they can click, and that way they can just go cut you into know, that click and try. That is, that is so interesting because whenever I'm recording and I screw up, I go like that mm -hmm. into the mic. I do my own click, so it shows up as a spike on your on your waveform that you can run to edit to when you or two if you're doing second take. You got to do it a third time, three clicks, blah blah blah. You know, yeah, mm -hmm. I do that myself just with 
like that. But when you're doing like a 24 hour audio book, it's oh, such a yeah, hassle yeah. because if you can come back to it like the next day, but you don't know if your voice will be slightly different because you were just, you know, recording for 10 hours a day before. It's right. just, it's too much work for what it should be. And it's hard. It's hard to do audiobooks. So I respect my friend for being like, I'm not doing this anymore. I have tremendous respect for anybody who records audiobooks. It's I have no idea some, that I think, they... And I think I'm sure there are some studios that are more high-powered mm -hmm. that will, if they hire the right actors and actresses, they will do the editing for yeah. you and they will, you know, you're the, more the time. But you still got a lot of work to do. I mean, if I record a corporate video for Chevron or for Exxon or for, you know, so oil and gas companies here, I've done that before. And you're reading a thick, you know, stuff of stuff you don't understand any of because it's all about internet training for stuff. It's, it's pretty dry material. And, you know, you got to sound all corporate yeah yeah that's why i tell people when they do voiceover reels put a reel together have your start with your natural sounding voice a couple of times a couple of different flavors of your natural sounding voice and then when it's maybe a little young with your eyebrows raised sounds like that or maybe a little more gruffy like that but then do you have a corporate read after that like how would you read a corporate video mm -hmm. how would you sound like this make it sound a little different flavor then start putting some impressions in there some accents give some range some of the jobs I've gotten, a couple of them have been only because someone listened to my demo reel and they said, well, if he can do that kind of range, then he can do what we're looking for. Yeah. Wow. And that gives and so you the chance to use your guidance to give them what they want rather than yeah, just like. Based on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Demo yeah. reels are important. I should probably yeah. make one. <laughs> <laughs> They're good to have. I haven't done a new one in a while. I have an anime demo reel. Mm -hmm. Uh, with Gentle and Mihawk and Food Wars and some old VHS stuff just for flavor and Full Metal Panic and Panty and Stocking and uh, Udawari Ramono and all that stuff that I those I was the lead in Udawari. Udawari is such a crazy show. We called it Ray Romano Underwater, um, <laughs> and and we did it at Sentai when it was ADV, and then Crunchyroll just picked up like the second season or something because it came back. And it got really weird. And so my character who died at the end of the first season or second season of the of the original one became a disembodied dude or something or a god. That's and then work. a new actor took over and he split no. into two different he split into two different people who were being played by two new actors. And the directors were going, What is going on here? So we had to we had to figure out who needed to play what. And then I got to go back and record his disembodied god voice for the <laughs> for the other. You know, it's getting nuts. But. So do you have, in terms of direction, a favorite anime that you've worked on? In terms of how I was directed? Yeah, or in terms of just, like, the, the overall vocal direction um, and the interactions, like, with that kind of, oh, that God. direction I that mean, you were given. Well, you know, all the directors that I've, I, I've never really met a bad director in anime. I mean, they've all brought something that was either they, you, they've got to know what they're doing. I mean, they've, they've got to know the show left and right. They've got to be interested in it. They've got to be, or they can't do a good job, you know? So, um, <clears throat> I work a lot with John Swayze, who's awesome, of course. And, and, and Kyle Jones, who's fantastic at, at Sentai, uh, Shannon Reed is at Sentai. He's terrific. They're, everybody's, everybody's really, really skilled at Crunchyroll. There's a ton of people who I've been working with and I worked with them at Funimation. Colleen directed me in Black Butler and in My Hero. I didn't realize and she was the director for Black Butler. She directed at least some, if I remember correctly, at least some of the stuff that I worked with uh, for when I did when I did Black Butler. And I was British in both shows, so I was like, go figure. She only cast me as British dudes, but the um, but uh, she's amazing. And then and they all really, really have a great idea of what they want. 
Um, and they're, and, but they're all different. They're all different, you know, different levels of, and so, uh, uh, and Mike McFarland and, and just God, there's so many of them. Uh, Caitlin, Caitlin Glass uh, directed mm-hmm. me recently again, because we're in, that's the cool thing about doing conventions too, is that I ran into Caitlin at a convention and we did a TikTok video and this and that. And then she cast me in something. I was like, okay, I don't know if that would have happened if we wouldn't run into each other. Cause yeah. you're out of sight, out of mind. You don't see right. these people for a while. And then when you see them again, they go, oh yeah, you're, yeah, come ahead, why don't you come do the show? So one director, but my favorite stuff or the stuff that I remember the most was when I recorded with Stephen Foster at ADV. He's an old director at ADV and, and he was really just wacky and fun and he would rewrite stuff on the fly and, and uh, it wouldn't have anything to do with the original script. He was responsible for ghost stories. Yes. <gasps> yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> and he cast me in ghost story. That's another one. If you say you're ever in ghost stories. Ah! Yeah. I love. Wait, you were in ghost stories. I was a creepy cab driver. Yeah. (laughs) That was you. Cab driver. Yeah. I was a cab driver in ghost stories. I think that was the most recent episode I watched because I put that on in the background when I worked on stuff. I wish I could have done more in that. And then, you know, we had a lot of fun at ADV and, and, and Stephen Foster directed me in something called Cromartie high school, which was, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a crazy pants, wacky little comedy about these high school kids who think they're tough and think they're cool. And they're just goofy, stupid. It's a hilarious show and i played completely against type he cast me as the school bully i've never been a bully and i could never be but he was he was this bald big dude and he talked like this and it kind of ruined my voice a little bit because he talked like that the whole time his name was yutaka takanuchi and he was really really tough but he had this secret that he kept from everybody which was that he got car sick he got motion sickness really easily and so everybody, he thought, everybody's going to think I'm a total pussy if they know that I'm a, if I get car sick, I'm not going to be a tough guy. I'm not going to be a badass. So he was on a bus. At, so like, okay, let me back up. There's an episode where he's on a bus getting car sick when you're introduced to him and he talks about his, his problem. And then later in an episode, they're, they've got to get into a cab and he's got to sit bitch in the middle. He's getting all car sick because they've got to go fight the other rival gang. So he's getting all car sick and they're going all over the place. So it was a really, really funny show. So we were laughing a lot while we were recording it. Steven laughed a lot. I laughed a lot. We had to keep taking breaks because we were laughing so hard. And eventually we had to reschedule a couple of my sessions because we couldn't get through the recording because we were laughing so hard. Oh, my gosh. And at one point, I'm – this is true. I tell this story, too, at panels. It's kind of funny. So he's he's like got a side view in this one episode. He's like on the bus. And you're hearing his voice go, oh, no, that curvy road is coming up. I think I'm going to be sick. And then his face in the anime goes like that. So I didn't know what it was. So I went, Rrr. you just instinctively make a noise because you hear a, you see a flap. And you go, whoops, I got to do something. So I went, Rrr. Steven started laughing so hard. I thought he was going to die. And, he, and he sa- I said, dude, stop laughing. I can't get through this. I can't be serious. So I tried to make myself gross. I tried to gross myself out. So I would stop laughing. So I said, okay, dead puppies. Okay, ugly nuns. Okay, whatever. And he said, what? And I said, what? He said, say that. Say that as the character. I said, what are you talking about? He said, say that as the character. Say dead puppies and ugly nuns. I said, really? Okay. How's that going to make him less car sick? Don't worry. Just do it. If you watch the third episode of Cromartie High School, you will see his face scrunch up like that when he's about to get sick on the bus, and you will hear sped up really, really quick. Dead puppies and ugly nuns. Like that. It's on there. It's on the episode. I, I'm going to go watch it, find it. Yeah. Go watch it. It's, it is there. It is there. If you look up Cromartie High School, it's, I don't know where you can find it. I don't know who streams I, it, but I'll, you can I find can an episode somewhere. So it's like episode three. Then there's another episode 
uh, like where we're trying to, we're in the cab and he's getting sick and they hand him a map and it's a world map instead because they're so stupid. And like, okay, we have to go down to the Arabian Peninsula and then we have to, <laughs> could not get through that line to save my life. We had to reschedule, it took 20 minutes to try to do it. He said, come back tomorrow, come back next week, we'll reschedule you because we couldn't, we couldn't quit laughing. So those are my favorite kinds of sessions when you're just having a blast. Um, in the studio, those were the fun memories. Uh, so, but all the directors are very, uh, very highly knowledgeable of the material, which I don't. I'm not jealous of them because you got to learn a lot. Of, if you if you're learning an anime plot of a whole show, that's a lot of work. Yeah, you read the whole script. You've read, you know, that's a lot of work. That's yeah. intense. I a lot more fun just to voice it with this car sick bully. That is. Such a fun character, now so I, I can absolutely see. Thing. Yeah, I have to watch the whole show. It's a now. great. It's a great show. It's a really super fun, funny, funny show. I'll find it. I love Very vintage. Like I love vintage yeah. animes. Mostly, one of my favorites is Hajime no Ippo. I watch it dubbed because I think it's so fucking funny. I love when it old anime is embellished. I feel like it's a lot more noticeable in old anime too because you have that old sense of humor a little bit. Yeah. And I love it. It's my favorite thing. So I love going back to like read it. Like one of my favorite, favorite animes of all time, which I think you were in, but not as like a named character was Sergeant okay. Frog. Um, uh, I love Sergeant Frog. I did. I did an episode or one or two episodes of Sergeant Frog once at, at, uh, at Funimation mm -hmm. a long time ago, but I can't remember who I was, to be honest with you. See, there's that's, so many voices in it. That's another thing that's really weird about anime. And here's an embarrassing story for you, but I tell this one at panels too. Uh, it's about Vampire Hunter D. So I recorded, I didn't know anything about Vampire Hunter D whatsoever when they told me, John, we got a job for you. We want you to record in this vampire. I said, okay, I'll come in. I came in on a Tuesday, you know, Tuesday afternoon or something like that. La-di-da. Walk into the studio. It's a, re I say, oh, cool. Look at this retro animation. This is, this is badass. So I'm the, I'm, I'm the guy. And so, um, Often, most of the time, when you when you talk to a voice actor, if you say, what was it like recording this show back in 19... They won't remember. Most yeah. of us will not remember a session. Or we'll remember a little of it. Or when we see it again, we'll go, oh, yeah, okay, I remember that. I remember this show. But unless there's something distinct about it, you forget about it. Because over 25 years, especially, you go in not knowing it. You didn't know it before. And you didn't watch it afterwards. Mm -hmm. So you forget about it. It just fades from your memory. So I forgot about Vampire Hunter D. When we recorded it, the original 1985 movie, they redubbed it for surround sound to put out on a Blu-ray for like the 30th or 40th anniversary of it, right? So I go, okay, great. It took me an hour and a half and I was done because he's got like seven lines because mostly he's just standing there being all stoic and a vampire hunting badass. And so then, you know, a couple months later, a friend of mine calls me and she's fangirling out oh my god john you recorded vampire hunter d that's so cool that's one of my favorite shows i said vampire hunter what oh she went john vampire hunter d you were in vampire hunter d right and i went no i don't think so what's it called again she goes john you you're on the blu-ray it's just coming out from sentai it's 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 you just got nominated for like uh uh lead in a movie anime movie and the cast got nominated for best ensemble in an anime i said i not following you. She goes, you were D. And I went, so I had, to, <laughs> I looked it up. I looked it up on YouTube. And then as soon as I saw it, I went, Oh yeah, that. And she was just like, 
Do you You're take your guy. seriously at all? Do you know what the hell you just said to me that you didn't remember that you did this iconic? I was like, I didn't know that it was iconic. She goes, there's this, the sequel. I was like, like, okay, fine. Sorry. Sorry. You, you know, it's a job. It's a voiceover job. Mm-hmm. We're not always necessarily knowledgeable about the history, the fandom, the this, and and sometimes that's really better because if I know how popular and incredible something is, I'm going to feel more pressured and not as loose when I go into mm-hmm. the studio to be an actor and interpret it. Right? Yeah. When I got when I got gentle, I was nervous. I was like, I've got to bring my A game on my hero academia, folks, yeah. because this is like the show. And when I auditioned for it, I didn't hear back for about a week and I was pacing the floor going, am I, did I get the role? Did I get it? I was waiting for the the post, the high school musical cast list. Right. I mean, I was that into it. That's never happened before. Um, And so in a way it's cool and fun. And in a way it's like, it it adds, it adds tension. It makes, you know, you want to do a great job and I do the best work when I'm not thinking this is a major deal. Mm -hmm. And people are going to talk about it. And, you know, you're going to you're going to have all these, you know, don't go read the Reddit forums. Don't go read the the comments and this and that about how well they did or not, because you're going to read some you're going to read some people who are naysayers and who don't, you know, this and that. So keeping away from that is a good thing. Yeah. Probably. Do you feel like that pressure, for lack of better word, that you mm. want to do great and that that old high school musical feeling? Um, do you feel like that's what's kind of propelled you for such a long career and such a prolific career? Well, you're not uh, you know, staying I, comfortable with it necessarily. You know, I haven't because I haven't had that experience very often when it comes to anime. I, I, you know, and I think part of that is because we, we, when I started recording anime, it was not a big deal. It was it was lower on people's radar. It was not a big mainstream thing that it is now. And the the experience you have going to the studio, meeting the director, recording the anime has felt the same since, I mean, lots of things have changed. We used to have printed scripts on paper, Xeroxed copies of the script and everything. And, um, and uh, so a lot of things have changed technically, but the experience of recording it just alone in a booth is pretty low key, just with the director on the other side of the glass. It's not this big. There's no audience watching you. There's no, you don't feel what's out there in in the fandom the way that people will react to it when you're doing the job the, the job itself is a very low-key environment mm-hmm. and that has stayed the same no matter how popular anime has become so i've not felt that pressure i felt pressure only when i was auditioning and waiting to hear about my hero because i had heard it was such a big show and a big deal and everybody was into it and all the actors played roles in it that i knew and I wanted to be a part of it. So I kind of, I sent an email to Colleen. I said, Colleen, I just want, you know, I haven't been to, to Funimation in a while. I've been out of sight, out of mind, but, you know, I just want to throw my name in the hat, let you know that if there's a character you think I might be a good fit for, let me know. I'd love to, love to audition. So then she sent me a side of Gentle. Yeah. And then when I saw Gentle, I said, he's got to be British. He's got tea. He's got a mustache. Come on. And she said, well, you know, they're all they're all Japanese students. He wouldn't be British. And, was, and, and I want you to go British, but I want you to also audition in an American accent. I just thought, please, British, please. And we decided that he would be at least his persona is mm-hmm. right, is a British guy because that's what he invented for himself. But he didn't maybe start that way. So his backstory, he's not he does not have an accent. His backstory when he's a student is just my young American voice. Um, so, but when he's the persona, then he is so, but it was a, it was a big deal. I, I was, uh, that, that's the one show I heard about that. I was a little 
nerve wracked about. Mm-hmm. And it's because yeah. when you got in, it was already like so established. It was you got on on season yeah. four, and so yeah, and it's the one show that I've binged all the way through. I've, I binged it up until I up until I recorded it. Mm-hmm. I got caught up. Before, oh wow! Yeah, I, I started watching this. Okay, let's see what this whole fuss is about. And you, I, I love you. It worked, your no, performance it was, was amazing. It really, uh, thank you. And it, it really helps. It, it helps to, it does help to know a show. Definitely. It helps you more when you go in cold, it's still an interesting exercise and you can still kind of use your tricks and of the trade to, to make it work. And with the director's help, you get where you need to go with it, but it does help to know a show. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a, a key part of that is that you said it's a good exercise, not necessarily like a full performance that you might be in two different mindsets with that because i think it really shows that you went in just whole hog i'm going to learn everything about this before you you went in to do gentle Mm -hmm. because the relationship between him and deku in season four is so intricate and necessary to both Mm -hmm. characters Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't know that if you went in blind and that wouldn't be like a palpable undertone if you Mm -hmm. hadn't have have (laughs) seen that or had the introduction to the other to the other characters what was really what was really interesting is that we had six episodes to record with gentle and la brava in season four and after the third episode the lockdown first happened so everything got locked down completely because we knew that COVID was a danger. It was a big emergency right between those three episodes. So the first three I recorded, we recorded at Crunchyroll at, at Funimation at the time. The next three and every anime you've ever heard for a year and a half after that, everybody was recording from home mm-hmm. in our closets. So Funimation really, really stepped up and said, we've got to send, we can't have anybody in the studio. We've got to send actors who don't have setups. We've got to send them the necessary material to have a setup in their house. We got to test everybody's microphone and every voice you hear in every show for like a year and a half was that. And so La Brava, Megan Shipman, who's incredible, she had to record the big crying scene and everything like that in her closet, you know. Everything we, the whole battle with Deku, that's in the, that's in my closet. So you're doing it like we're doing this podcast. It's, it's as removed as this experience right now that we're mm-hmm. having, even though we're talking to each other and seeing each other. Um, you know, I would see an anime on a screen. I would see a script like this. They rewrite the script. I'd see it change on my phone. We had this whole thing happening in live in real time. If there was a rewrite or something and, um, then I would record my lines in premiere and then I'd send the files back to them so that their engineer could make it work. And the engineers really made everything sound like it was all of one show, you know? Yeah. They did a great job. That's wild. I think that's also very inspiring to people that want to, to get into and break into an industry that is pretty heavily dominated by well-known names and, and well-known voices Um, that you can do it in your closet. You can do it in your bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. Well, not as much anymore. Um, I think, it's been such a task for the engineers to have to get that to happen. They're on tight schedules. And so they had to do what they had to do. But I think these days you're much more encouraged to either go into the studio in person, which is a better experience to be honest. Um, and then you, uh, or you can go to a studio that they know and work with very well. That's local. So maybe you don't have to drive up to Fort Worth where you are because driving up to Fort Worth and back is that's eight hours total. So that's getting a hotel room. That's driving up to Dallas, getting a hotel room usually if I'm in the morning and then and then recording and then driving back home. Yeah. So it's it's a it's yeah, it's a, that's a task, but 
Yep. Dallas sucks. I have to be there in two weeks. <laughs> that will be fun. Yeah, we're going to Akon in Dallas yeah, the first weekend of June. And we're paneling cool. too, so that will be fun. Awesome. But okay, cool. Akon. All right. Right on. It's a good one. But yeah, being in Dallas kind of sucks. So I get the eight hour and then have to get a hotel because you don't want to be there for that long. So my late father-in-law, he worked in Dallas for, I want to say 15 years or something like that, but lived in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And had an apartment in Dallas for the weekdays. And sometimes if there was something with the boys going on, he would drive up to Oklahoma City, which is about three and a half hours. Um and stay at his house and then wake up at 3 30, 4 o'clock in the morning and drive all the way back down to Dallas and work a full eight hour day in the office. And so driving to Dallas and everything, I, I have so much respect for people once, that do it. I once had I once had to record anime and I, the only day I could do it was when I also had a rehearsal in Houston that night for a show that I was doing. So I got up and drove to Dallas, recorded some anime, drove back to Houston, had an had a rehearsal. one day that sucked yeah i don't want to get on anybody's bad side who's who likes dallas but there's a joke from all of houston you know houston dallas rivalry and so the joke is what's the best thing to come out of dallas 45 south (laughs) i don't mind being there but yeah i'm i'm from a very dry state so being in texas and dealing with the humidity is disgusting um oh yeah oh oh the first time i was there we had summer storms so i could like taste the water in the air i felt sticky i i don't like being in texas if i could avoid it texas is hot houston is like living in a mouth in the summer and summer it's only mid-may and i'm already having like oh god this is terrible yeah we just had a bunch of storms and it's the same up here like utah gets hot but at least it's dry so i can go find like cover i can be in the shade and feel much better i don't feel it still even when i'm trying to protect myself yeah Yeah. i love utah weather i'm blessed by it hold on just one second no you're totally good your hair looks cute with the little bangs thanks i flipped it 20 times um I'm going to cut it all off soon. Oh, there but it go. looks good. Thank you. So, anyway, what else have we not covered? Oh, my God. I feel like so many things. So many <laughs> And yet things. we've covered so we many things. have to have things. a part two of this one day or something. Wow. You're always welcome to. We extend the offer to every guest. If you liked hanging out with us and you ever want to do it again, oh, yeah. shoot us a message. You can come on anytime. Priority no, to fun. whoever. It's been very fun. Yeah. Try. I... I love chatting with you i feel like this is so casual compared mm-hmm. to feels, other yeah. other actors that we've spoken to it's so huh. nice okay the conversation's cool. just naturally going it feels like it, we haven't even been recording we have been i've been watching it but it's been great it's just been natural. we better be <laughs> yeah, we better make sure i got my quick time going here yeah no we're all good i've, I've been checking my that's why i've been like <laughs> looking over to my other monitor to make sure that i yep. Yeah. I wear glasses so I can't flip between screens discreetly because you just see whenever it pops up. Yeah. Right, right, right. You right. know what you're up to. I can never hide anything. You can see my ring light. It's terrible. But but putting in contacts is worse. Yeah. I've gotten used to it at this oh point. Gosh. I'm too used to putting in contacts. But it's okay. So I, I have fun with so it. So I can I can tell you a more PG thirteen slightly slightly more so 
uh, embarrassing booth story, if that's yes, the yes, way. Absolutely. Okay, so this is a fun one. This is what I tell it like plus eighteen panels or whatever. But so the show, you ever heard of the show Gantz? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I was in Gantz. Gantz was so hardcore and so violent, and there was like there were sex scenes in Gantz, right? There were adult scenes in Gantz. So I uh, went to. Uh, I was leaving ADV and I was walking through the parking lot after having just recorded something else. And I'd heard about Gantz and I knew we were all going to be recording it. And so I ran into an old friend of mine and we'll call her Debbie. Okay. So Debbie and I went to high school together and we were in the drama department in high school together. And I said, Hey Debbie, what's going on? She goes, Oh, Hey, what's, what's up? I said, are, are you going to, what are you doing lately? Are you going to be in Gantz? And she goes, yeah. And I said, what, what's, what's going on? She goes, I, I have to, I have a, I have a scene in Gantz. I said, oh, do you have to do like a hardcore adult scene? And she goes, yeah. But they were really cool about it. They asked me if I was okay with it. I said, fine. They explained it to me. They, you know, we talked about it. They're, they're awesome. It's, it's going to be fine. I said, okay, well, great. You know, good luck. That's cool. Go, go you and all that, you know. So I, I said, see you later. So the next, like a week later, I have to go in and record my scene as a secondary character in Gantz. And little do I know that while my character is in this one room, that's when her character is in the hallway having this adult, very adult interaction. Oh, no. In the show. So um, (laughs) the director has no idea that I have spoken to Debbie. The engineer does not know this. And they have no idea that we've had this conversation. And they have no idea that I know What's what's going on. So here's what happens. They go, okay, John, it's like 830 at night. Okay, the director's really tired. He's like, okay, John, we're going to queue up your next line. Hang on a second. And I hear different pieces of audio as the engineer is finding it. And I hear, and then I hear this, I hear very intense adult sounds. Right. And I immediately go, is that Debbie? So the director goes, yes, it is. How do you know that that is? Oh, so, oh, I said, oh, no, 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 no. We went to high school together. Oh, no, 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 no. And it's, so it became this big. Oh so, you never admit you know what no. a woman's. <laughs> of course not. That's not the. I was like, so that was like, oh, my God. Explain no, you don't Explain your way out of that one real quick. No, you couldn't. You can't explain your way out of that. No, no. they oh, caught you. Hilarious. They caught you. They caught it. So I was like, oh, boy. Anyway. Yeah, that was that was fun. That's a fun booth embarrassing. That's my most embarrassing booth story, probably. Are you married, John? I am not. Okay, I was about to say, how'd you explain that to your partner? <laughs> well, you know, I might have been married at the time. I was married for a while, and I think I was married at the time that I recorded Gantz. So yeah, that you know, but th- that's you know, yeah. that that didn't that didn't come up. That that uh, topic did not come up in conversation. <laughs> Is or maybe thank did. God for that. Yeah, right. Yes. Maybe it did. Maybe, hey, you'll never believe what happened today, honey. I was in the booth. I don't know. So, yeah, that was that was funny. Is Gantz technically That's the most funny. adult one you've shot where it's been like they um, had to warn you in advance? Because it sounds most... like they did not warn you for dramatical murder. <laughs> didn't tell me about dramatical murder. So, um, let's see. Yeah, probably. That's been the most intense. That's that's Gantz is actually one that I I I almost you know do I have to say this line? Mm-hmm. Do I have to say this? I actually asked the director if I had to say it because there are some lines in there that are just horrible. Yeah. Me and me and Greg Ayers played these two teenage hoodlums that beat up homeless people with 
with bats. It was like awful violence and we were terrible people. And I and and by the time my character dies in the last episode, I had to scream things at people that were just so awful. You know, it was such an it was it was a, it was a show that was almost kind of designed to be controversial and ugly and gross to to kind of so that people that, you know, like at parties would go, man, have you seen this anime? Check it out. Yeah, it's totally gory, hardcore. I mean, it's not the worst thing you can see. I mean, I've heard that there's stuff that's worse, but, you know. And it's sometimes like the, I, yeah, go ahead. It's like the Eli Roth film of anime. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, there are some titles out there I've heard of that are pretty outrageous, that have, have pretty crazy plots. Like Italian. H- Higurashi, oh. When They Cry, is also one that's very, very brutal. I haven't seen that really? one yet. It's also based off of a game like Dramatical Murder. Um, okay. oh, and no, it's, it. it's horror, and it's basically all gore. And they mm. made, I want to say the show came out in the early 2000s, like 2002-ish. Okay. And then they did a remake of it recently that I started watching and did not finish and I need to finish it because I need to see if they go to the same level. Cause it's one of those also that you're like, this was made this purely like, so someone can have bragging rights that they sat through it. Say, yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I've indulged. I like psychological horror and I tend to like gory animes. Uh, and I like when they're handled well and they're not just like someone's weird thing that they brag about where it's actually like well handled another is one of my favorites for that reason because i like when it's theatrical um that's why i like the death note manga too is because it's like wow this is cool not just like oh right that's happening over there i don't know like castlevania the recent castlevania Castlevania animated series is really good with the way it handles the uh the gore huh i i like it i mostly watch anime and animation so i'm What's really what's really fascinating to watch is how the animation has changed from the first episode of One Piece to the current episode of One Piece. I started oh watching One God. Piece a year ago, so I've been actively watching it happen. Oh, you've got time on your hands. Yeah, that they, 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 uh, <clears throat> that has just been a, the most dramatic shift in quality. You know, it, it was just so old school. And I mean, I think they started it in 1998. 99 is when it started animating and 97 was when the manga started. Yeah, I started recording it in 2007. Mihawk didn't make an appearance till 07. This was interesting because, you know, well, it's a lot to cover. Four Kids had it first, right? And then, right, like. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. So. But. Yeah, I was at a, was at a panel at Connecticon in mm. Connecticut with Mike McFarlane, who directs a lot of it, and Kyle Phillips, who directs and writes in it. So they knew every answer to every question, and I knew nothing because I was just Mihawk who shows up every year and a half. So I felt like, the panel, don't ask me any questions, please. I'm a dumbass. And uh, somebody somebody asked, well, what's the one piece? What do you think the one piece is? And Mike McFarlane said, I think it's a red button inside this thing. They open up a little thing and they find a red button. And Luffy says, what's this? And he hits it. And the whole show starts all over again. And everybody goes, no. Oh, my goodness. No, it won't be that. It'll be something cool. It'll be something cool. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know what it will be. Oda has already said it's not the friendship we made along the way. So what? <laughs> it's Sorry? not the friendship we made along the way. Oda has said that because he hates that oh, theory. Oh yeah, right. Or it's right. like it's oh, no, big... it's a physical thing. It's been established. He hates the theory right. that it's just like right, the adventure right. is the <laughs> no. The journey Anthony is not had... the destination. No. Anthony had some good theories. Whenever we talked to him about um, what the One Piece is and what the goal overall is i i liked his take on it a lot uh, he liked yeah, my um, take so 
And a lot of people are asking, a lot of people ask me, they say, what do you think is going to happen with, uh, with um, ultimately with Mihawk versus Zoro? And I like to think that what would happen, this is my wish. It's not even a theory. It's just what I hope happens is that um, Zoro at one point during a, ba- a rematch with him will get the better of him for some reason and be, and have the advantage, have the ability to kill Mihawk, but instead he doesn't. He just marks him the same way, and they call it a draw. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Because there's a level of be respect cool. between them, especially after like yeah, yeah. But it's their relationship with one another changed between Baradier and then two time skip, and so it's like he had this. He always had a respect for Mihawk from the beginning, and then coming to like be on his knees in front of him asking him to be better it's like the respect and dynamic between them changed they were like roommates for two years they're not going to hold the same feeling to one another so i definitely think that's what's also going to happen between them when we get that resolve i love it's another reason i love mihawk is because he gets to stay so calm while everybody else is around him is yelling either at him or fighting him or perona's i mean the actress who plays perona is incredible and she's so and she's so intense and and perona is so childishly intense and just all uh, so much energy and 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 yet at the same time she really knows what she's doing so she's got a childish quality but at the at the other at the other moment look out right like yeah. don't mess with her you know what you're getting into and she's just man he's like i don't care <laughs> so jesus i get to go to the studio and go man it's fun i love when it's she fires role. off and all he can say is all right <laughs> all right yeah, you're still making yeah. any at one point he's doing this. He's like <laughs> plugging his ears. So uh there's like uh um I love the fact that at least one of the good things that could come out of a lockdown was that people there's a one piece renaissance because so many people started watching it because it's something you can watch forever and you can binge all day and all night and for months. And a lot of people did that. And so I think that's one of the biggest reasons. That's a big theory that why people are digging on One Piece right now where they weren't before. We got a lot of new fans. Yeah. and a lot Oh, of- yeah. That's that's her and I. I For adamant for years, I was not going to watch One Piece. I had a bad experience with fans early on. Uh-huh. Um, and I just was very turned off to the whole thing. And Parks got into it because of her partner. And then she basically sat me down and was like, look you're gonna watch this show and you're going to love it. And she was correct because now I'm almost done with Whole Cake and I started watching yeah. it in September. Wow. Yeah, she's well, that's, catching that's up. So, again, that's so interesting that you say that one of the reasons you don't want to watch a show is because there were unfortunate fandom interactions. Yeah. That's so crazy. That's why that, I was quiet about liking Dragon Ball. That's so well, crazy that the fandom can have that kind of impact. And I did the same for Parks with My Hero because she had a very negative fandom interaction with some of My Hero wow. fans. And then I was like, nope, you're going to watch it because you're going to love it. And she did. So there's something about these experiences with fandoms that are that are legit enough in your mind that they turn you off to the actual show. There's no, They're not separate. They're kind of locked yeah, together. Yeah, a little bit. Because you can right. see how these communities interact. And it, like I can use Dragon Ball as an, an example. Um, where people will be like adamant about how Goku is or like they'll have wrong opinions or they'll be like, have you heard the you can't beat Goku thing where people will just say like, whatever character you like can't beat Goku. Goku's always better. And they kind of like throw it at you. And it's the worst way. It's like, well, I would never own up to being a Dragon Ball fan because if I want to talk about like Piccolo or Gohan, I have to deal with those people who are screaming in oh my, my face. 
And it's like, that's why I didn't want to watch My Hero is because I would be around people at conventions who were cosplaying as My Hero who didn't have any (laughs) etiquette and they would be kind of rude to me or they would be a little weird and acting like they shouldn't in public. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to participate in this because it's uncomfortable to look at that's what turned me off yeah. of being into my hero is just like that's too bad that's too bad because the show is so is such a different yeah completely different experience and it doesn't have any it's not responsible for any of what people want to interpret and how they want to act but it just turns you off to it all the same yeah it's because i don't want to interact with those people but still want to be present because i'm i have to enjoy right. fandom to like it and so if sure. i can't do that sure. I have a hard time, but I was able to, once I got into my hero, I started to not engage with it cosplay wise because I cosplayed Uraraka like two years ago and I still get really weird DMs about it sometimes. I don't, I don't do that anymore, but I do interact with fan artists on Twitter and stuff where it's like, okay, we can talk as people who do this instead of like, I can curate it now better than I could at conventions. Your mom's face is a Vegeta. Yeah, I guess. mm -hmm. It it feels like whatever. I'm gonna. You I wear... know I'm gonna be at a con in the future, and somebody's gonna up, come up with a t-shirt. I just, I just made the t-shirt. It's Your mom's be... face I'll is a Vegeta. I'm. We're gonna make it I'll and give it to Chris. <laughs> We've given Chris so much merch that we just like put his name on. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. But um. Wow. Yeah, that's why we didn't. That's why she didn't watch One Piece either. Was because people would be like, "Well, this is the best thing ever. Uh, your stuff sucks compared to this, whatever." And right. it's it's hard to hear sometimes, and it makes you not yeah. want to touch the thing that's actively being like thrusted upon you in a negative way. But mm. I got her. I got her so good. <laughs> I think the easiest mm. thing to equate it to is when you're wearing like a band T-shirt, and someone that you maybe barely know or don't know comes up to you and they're like, do you even listen to that band? Can you even name one of their albums or one of their songs? And then you're like, I don't have to answer to you. And obviously I'm wearing the shirt and it's my shirt. So it doesn't matter. But that's kind of where that feeling lies. You don't get it, man. You don't understand how I feel about that band. You don't get it. Yeah. That's kind of how it is. And it's like that for a lot of like shonen anime, I feel like, because a lot of the community is a lot of men. And I'm not saying that like in a men are all like this, but it's like that's the kind of conversation that they focus on. It's like we're going to talk about power scaling when we don't need to talk about power scaling or it's always one or the other. And I don't want to engage with that. I want to engage with other stuff that's happening. I want to watch Piccolo learn how to drive. I don't care about their power level. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's actually what our our panel at Akon this year is going to be about, is masculine anime through a feminine lens, and women and shonen, and kind of I'm going to talk about Sanji for an hour. (laughs) Okay. I'm very excited. I love talking about it. You know, I've never done a Dragon Ball. I've never done a voice for Dragon Ball, and part of me is glad because I don't want to yell like they have to yell in Dragon Ball. I've done so much yelling in my time that I like, just put me in a role, sounding like a dad, or sounding like a British dude, or, you know. Those dudes yell in Dragon Ball. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I can name one person who doesn't yell in Dragon Ball. Well, I think there isn't there an old man. Isn't there an old man character who's like old and wise and shit? Oh, but no, he'd be yelling. He'd be yelling oh. well, probably more than anyone else. Honestly, oh, yeah, he okay. yells. All right, never mind. But never it's mind. not Everybody even like yells. a power up yell. He's just screaming. God, yeah. Mike McFarlane and I make each other laugh in the studio a lot because every the first show I ever did for Mike was called Galaxy Railways, mm-hmm. and I play. I, sorry. <laughs> I played Captain Captain Schwanheld Bulge is his name. Captain Bulge and his his ship is called the Big One. Hello, get out! Love it. It. Come on, come on. 
and there's not, and the show is not even adult or stupid or inappropriate. <laughs> it's it's just this it's this kind of sweet show about these railroad. Never mind. And, and, and I'm thinking like, what is this character? And so the, the, there's a character that comes up, and he's like this old crusty guy, and he's just yelling. It's just typical stuff. And Mike and uh, so Mike McFarlane and I have this kind of catchphrase with each other. I'm old and mean, man. And that's that's all it is. I'm old, so I'm mean. And that's it. I'm an old dude. Old dudes are mean. <laughs> Get off my lawn. It's the Simpsons bit of old man yells at cloud. Yeah, 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 yeah. You damn kids with your fun. Oh, I love that. <laughs> You're good at being old men. What can we say? I used to be with it. And then I found it what it was. They changed it. Meh. Oh. Well, I love the men that you voice, especially the old gentle criminal, because when they showed mm -hmm. him in the animation for the first time, I was very head over heels. What a beautiful oh, good character. <laughs> what yeah, a good yeah. guy. He's my favorite. I love him. I like well, he's a bad boy, but a good man. Yes. He's 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 a he's a criminal, but he's not a villain. Yes. Right? Amen. Best kind of characters. Yeah. I always yeah. love side characters more than the main cast most of the time, and he's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, I really, really dig it. And and I yeah. And so <clears throat> I I'm I'm waiting for I'm 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 waiting for Mihawk to get a Funko. He's not had a Funko pop. I'm surprised yet. he That's hasn't. Cool. I thought he would have totally he's come with the last. Only, he's one of the only warlords that doesn't have a Funko pop yet. So they may be waiting until this buggy stuff comes up with crocodile before they before they really blow it up with a who knows i don't know i've got friends who are like deep into the funko world and knowing all the rumors and i'm, I'm texting like where's the have they said anything please yeah, no, they apparently not not yet i well, was not into funko pops. i was I'll not into funko it. pops until one piece and then they released the stealth black and i've never bought a chaser before ever in my life but then they made the chase or like sometimes you'll get a limited edition one where it's slightly different than the original Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so they made a stealth black one, and then they made a chase that makes him invisible. So I had to go, and I don't know how to I don't know how to buy Funko Pops. I'm not a professional Funko Pop. I collect actual yeah. figurines. I don't usually get Funkos unless it's like a niche character I can't get a figurine for. And so I was messaging everyone, like, how do I do this? Please, I don't want to order six of them and then be wrong. You sound like a cheerleader <laughs> in an 80s movie trying to buy weed. I How kinda, do I do this? I oh, wait, where do I go? <laughs> I figured it out. I had to go through like a proxy site, but it took forever to get to that point because it's like, please, I just, I, I think I'm like, yes, the yeah, for it. it yeah. was like, just buy this here. It hasn't been shipped yet, <laughs> still, but it's okay. I just Funko Pops stress me out sometimes. I, but I do like getting them signed. They're fun to get. I hope they make me hawk. They're hard to sign. They're they're a little they're challenging to sign. One one time, you know, if your pen blows up, it's a big problem. You know, if you're you can't just replace the print right in front of everybody. Well, real no, you quick. wouldn't. No, you don't. You, well, you you need to use like hand sanitizer and a cloth, and you need to clean it all off and everything like that. You, there's ways to do it. Mm -hmm. There's you know, it's, it's it's first world problems, but yeah, it's it's definitely. But yeah, they're they're um, people want interesting quotes and like half paragraphs of quotes and stuff, and so you're you're and you, you, you got to bring a nice fine point, pen, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, sure. That's graffiti fun, the that's entire all, thing that's all fun though i need to do a, i need to do a con with megan shipman where we can both go with the pop mm -hmm. and have our booths we had our booths next to each other at one con but we didn't have the funko pop out yet but we haven't been to a con together with the pop that's out so i'd love to do that because uh and she's always fun to do a con with we did a panel together a couple of years ago mm -hmm. she's really really t she's blown up she's in spy family and um 
that's that's kicking ass. Yeah. 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 So, gosh. So, what are the latest ones that I've done? Uh, the latest stuff I've done. If if anybody's if anybody's asked me, there's a show called Buddy Daddies that just came out. Yeah, it's like World. the other spy family one, right? Yeah, where it's, it's kind a, of the similar theme. Spy family. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, it's the it's the cute cute family thing, but it's also a little bit of a bloodbath and mm-hmm. and. Uh, and so I play a really bad guy in that, really bad, heavy, heavy dude in that. And then I just went up to, well, I can't talk about that show yet because I don't know if it's an old school show, but I played a really jerk, big time jerk character in this other one I recorded last week. And there's a, what am I going to talk about? Sentai, what did I just, rec- I don't know how much I can talk about yet. And it's not because it's a, anything's a big secret. It's just because until they officially release a cast list, you're not, you're just not supposed to say I'm in this yet. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it's just a, res- it's just respecting the process of, they just have not officially announced online that there's a, <clears throat> there's an English cast yet. So um, is there any project, like any project in the world that you would want to be a part of, that you would want to do a voice for? For anime? Yeah. Boy, I hear Trigun is super cool, and I was Trigun rules. Trigun Trigun rules. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a niche for you that would probably come up in the next season of Stampede. Or yeah, there might be. You know, uh, Blue Lock sounds interesting, Um, and I hear that there might be a season in the future of that show where they go they start playing different international teams, and so Mm. we could all use our accents and have fun, have some fun with that. Um, Gosh. Um, yeah, those are the ones that come to mind immediately. And I like doing, and sometimes movies are fun, you know, doing movies is, is kind of cool. Like, and like a movie for an anime or like an animated anime, just anime film, anime films that are, that are coming out. There's, there's one I've done recently that I can't mention yet because they've announced it, but they have not, not announced the English cast cast yet, as far as I know. Um, so, but I've been up to Crunchyroll a lot recently. Um, their, their new studios are great. And again, I, I like recording remotely. Sure, definitely has its advantages. But being in person with a director, there's something about, especially if you're meeting the director for the first time, to meet them on remote and just hear their voices is just too impersonal. There's right. something about proximity that loosens you up that's that's very special and different that I that I like more than, uh, you know, than doing remote. So. Well, with it's your background with stage acting, that makes sense that you get to be a little more vulnerable and you oh, fully sure, yeah. put yourself into it physically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's awesome. It's got to be fun, especially since you've been doing it so long. You have so much experience on every medium, basically, in form of acting. Mm. Yeah, And to just apply all of it. It's I'm very impressed. I'm very, I was very thrilled when you said that you would happily come on because it's like you have so much you could talk about and it's amazing to hear you. And I enjoyed talking to you that day. So when you were like, yeah, I'll absolutely come on, I'm like, this is and the And when best. I heard your head is stuck episode, I knew it was going to be a party. I mean, I knew this was going to be a blast. <laughs> <laughs> so next time you're on, we'll just find the most batshit unhinged anime. And we'll all just, we'll just Parker watch, and I will just explain it to you. And redub it. Yeah, you'll explain <laughs> stuff to me. That'd be that'd be great. All right. And we'll do a whole ghost stories style. <laughs> yeah, we'll watch ghost stories. I love I ghost go stories. Back. I gotta I go back and watch that again just for fun. It's on Amazon Prime. I think it's free if you have D&D. Prime. Okay, well. <laughs> all right, Mr. Fancy. Oh, it's free on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, then I'm going there. I'm totally going <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love I love buying the Amazon one. I love watching that one. Nice viewing. All right. Well, John, it was so nice to talk to you. It this was, was such lovely. a lovely 
awesome to be here. Thank you so much for having me. We I really appreciate, appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, Is there anything that you want to plug your social media, your TikTok, or anything? You know, if anybody wants, I, I have a website, just johngrimion.com, just my, my name in all lowercase. And and um, and it has uh, a store where you can buy prints that I normally sell at conventions or autographic conventions. Um, <clears throat> Uh, and I'll custom sign them and mail them to you. You can get those. If you see, if you can't see me at a convention, you can do that. I'm on cameo, but also on my website, there is a, there's a QR code at the bottom pay of my front page of my website, right underneath where like, here's the anime convention appearances. You get updates of news and there's a QR code that's got all my social and my link tree. So that has everything that has cameo that has YouTube, uh, TikTok, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. So it's all awesome. There. Yeah. Just Dang. I'm going to have to get a print from you now. Yeah, go for it. Perfect. What is your next uh, convention announcement? Have that next convention. Let me let me cheat a little bit and go and go check. Uh, let me see here. Uh, I will tell you exactly where I'm going to be and when. I think you announced one today, but yes, I did. Is that the uh, next Anime one? Town? Yeah. Well, no. Uh, the next one is going to be Gamers and Geeks Con in June in Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's for a couple of days. Black Hills Con in Rapid City, South Dakota, is in June 23rd and 25th. Delta HCon back here in town in Houston, June 30th to July 2nd. Then Anime Town, Louisiana, which we announced today, August 18th through the 20th. That's in Gonzales, Louisiana. It's very close to Baton Rouge. And then something called Cult Classic Convention. That's September 2nd and 3rd in Baton Rouge as well. Um, those are the ones that uh, there's more coming that I know are going to happen, but they just haven't made it official yet. We haven't signed a contract yet. Yeah. So, but they'll, they'll come in the up. talks. It's working on it. You bet. You bet. We're working on them. Very exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Nebula, right. for a quick wrap up, do you want to drop where we can find you on socials? Yeah, you can find me at Nebula underscore Inky, I N K Y, on Instagram and Twitter. And Parks, where can they find you? You can find me at Crown Guard Cosplay on Instagram and Little Light B on Twitter. You can find the podcast at patreon.com slash fandamespod and fandamespod on Instagram and Twitter. You got it right this time. I'm so proud of you. I know. That's why I said it so fast so you wouldn't take it from me. But I did it. And awesome. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, Marketing for skills. listening. I told you. That's what I do. That's my job yes, here. You got it down. That's our that's girl. Great. I did well, it. Thanks, <laughs> thank you thanks for again, John. Um, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you later. Goodbye.